3: looking to make sense out of what's going on in the world today, then you've come to the right place. Welcome to Southern Sense Talk Radio with your host, Annie the
4: Radio Chickie Bellis, and featuring Curtis C.S. Bennett and the most interesting guests that you'll find anywhere on Internet radio. And you can join the show and let your voice be heard by dialing
3: 917-889-
0: Breaking news. It's another hurricane. Oh, no, wait a minute. It's an earthquake. Oh, no, it's another riot going on. Oh, the world is falling apart. Every day, another shocking headline makes you wonder, what will tomorrow bring? That's why those who know what's coming are using today to prepare. I'm talking about getting your family some high-quality emergency food from My Patriot Supply. My Patriot Supply is the nation's leading preparedness company. They've been in business going on 14 years now, and they served millions of American families. Now they want to help you by giving you $50 off their popular four-week emergency food kit. You'll get four weeks of food per person with meals designed to give you more than 2,000 calories a day. Oh, by the way, this food stays fresh for up to 25 years in proper storage, so it will be there when you need it. Other food goes bad fast, so don't wait. Go to preparewithsouthernsense.com and claim your four-week emergency food kit. You'll save 50 cents per, 50 cents, no, not 50 cents, $50 per kit if you act now. Now you can go to prepare with SouthernSense.com or if you're listening to the show on my website, just go to the top left-hand corner, click on prepare. Go to SouthernSense, put a dash in the middle, Southern-Sense.com. Don't wait. Do it today. All right, and welcome back to another adventure here on Southern Sense. You're listening live on Blog Talk Radio, SHR Media, oh, iTunes, Stitcher, Speaker, YouTube, Facebook, Global Entertainment Network, and half a dozen other places you'll find us around. I'm your hostess with the mostest, the radio chickadee, Annie, along with my co-host, oh, so colorful, Curtis C.S. Bennett. And that was not a racial term, Curtis.
4: (laughs) (laughs) never even went there with that. Oh, <laughs> out of man. Uh
0: if there, anyone had tuned in earlier and looked at our description, we were supposed to have Jeremy Murphy with us. He has a new book out, F off Chloe Surviving the OMGs and the FMLs in your media career. Unfortunately, uh he was he had to be somewhere at a certain time that had really bad phone reception, so he asked if we can jo- if he can join us. Hopefully this coming week. It's an excellent book. You will laugh your butt off. It is just just a great book.
4: Um, yeah, I was anyways. I was wondering how you was going to handle that word on on the air. <laughs> with but class, you it with grace, yeah. With
0: class. Well, I want to welcome everyone that's showing up in our chat room here on Blog Talk Radio. We are up and operational. Fully functional today over on Facebook and YouTube, so if you can join us there. If you're not sure how to get to those pages, just go to the name of our show, Southern Sense, put a dash in the middle, and then click on the upper tabs either for Facebook or YouTube. Um, Hopefully, if I have five minutes to breathe, I can get the new program up, and we can get ourselves with a better-looking and more professional platform. Anyway, we do have good, great guests. We've got to start off with Congressman Troy Nels. He's out of Texas District 22. And if anyone's been following this in the, in the news, two congressmen claim their offices were violated, possibly on the order of nasty Pelosi, uh, by Capitol Police and possibly Secret Service. And classified confidential information that should never have been touched was removed from the office and photographed. So we're going to be talking to him about what was going on with that, because he was there on January 6th. He had only been a congressman for a couple of days, and he was one of the ones in the chamber defending the doors from the rioters. I mean, at that point, that's when they were breaking the glass trying to break into the chamber of Congress, and that's when you break the law. Um, So we will have him. Now, if anyone watches Newsmax uh, TV, there is a host on Saturday. Or Saturday agenda. He's excellent. Joe Pinion. Um, he is a New Yorker and he's challenging Senator Schumer. We're going to have him on. Um, Virginia, uh, we have Mark Tapscott from the Epic Times coming back and then from the Heritage Foundation. She's the news producer for the Heritage Foundation's The Daily Signal and she also has her own podcast, Virginia Allen. So we got a lot, a lot going on and a lot to talk about. But before I go into our dedication to a fallen hero, I want to make a note that this morning, and this was posted on this person's Facebook page, Republican Congressman Jim Hagdorn of Minnesota passed away this morning. He was only 59 years old. His wife, former Minnesota GOP chairwoman Jennifer Carnahan, said that he passed away peacefully on Thursday night. Uh, back on July 20th of this year, of last year, uh, he announced that he had kidney cancer, it had returned. So he checked into the Mayo Clinic and then consequently pos- uh, tested positive for COVID. Uh, so our hearts go out to the Hagdorn family and to members of Congress who lost a member last night. That said, uh, anyone that knows the show knows that we do a dedication to a fallen hero on each and every show and today's dedication is going to go out to police officer Tylan Lenahan of the Elk Grove Police Department in California his end of watch was January 21st of this year and this is coming from CBS local in Sacramento edited a little bit by me, from Madison Keavy. At the podium in front of City Hall, the Elk Grove police chief stood next to a photo of a fallen hero to do something he had never had to do, announce a death in the line of duty for one of his own. The emotions can be seen and heard in Chief Timothy Albright's voice as he looked out into cameras live streaming his update about the death of Officer Tyler Ty Lenehan, who was killed in a head-on crash in Sacramento less than 12 hours before the press conference. Stories of his generosity and community service shared by strangers and community members who saw Lenehan at work work for Lenehan that meant giving back to his community. This hits hard for us said Albright who explained Lenahan was the first Elk Grove police officer killed in the line of duty. We heal from the support of our community and it's in these times that our community shows up, demonstrates that support. We feel that, we appreciate that, said Albright. The community stepped up within hours of Lenahan's death to tie blue ribbons on every tree and post around the Elk Grove Police Department. As the sun set on that Friday night, January 21st, flags in the area were flying at half-staff in his honor. A witness at the scene of the head-on crash on Highway 99 told CBS 13 he saw the body language of the first responding Elk Grove police officer change as he knelt next to his brother in blue. A witness, a Navy veteran, said he was moved because he knew what it meant to watch someone in your brotherhood hurt the officer he was running up to the other officer on the ground he did one of those it was urgent but his shoulders it was his whole body shrug like he knew said a witness who wanted his name to be omitted and from WLTX.com The Lenahan family released a statement the following Sunday morning, following the loss of Tyler Lenahan an Elk Grove police department officer who died following a wrong way crash on Friday. Ty was a bright light of personality in our family. His life outside of being committed officer to the Elk Grove community was dedicated to serving his family and his church community. Ty, performed innumerable acts of charity and kindness and blessed many lives with his personality love and humility the statement read in part the family also shared some photos of Tyler Lenihan including pictures of him with his family our family is deeply heartbroken and devastated by the tragic loss of our husband father son and brother Ty is survived by his wife Jessica Two children, Austin and Sydney, his parents and three siblings, said the family in a statement. We appreciate the many condolences, the outpouring of love, and the support of the community at large. We would like to express our sincere appreciation to the first responders and hospital staff who immediately attended to Ty's injuries, the statement read. Friends of Tyler Lenahan spoke to ABC 10 Saturday, sharing memories. Of their fallen friend. Saturday morning the Elk Grove Police Department announced a memorial account to help support the Officer Lenahan's family. The account titled the Officer Ty Lenahan Memorial Fund is operated through the California Association of Highway Patrol Credit Union CAHP, and is the only account accepting donations in this case the Elk Grove Police Department said. Those interested in donating to the fund can do so at CAHP Credit Union website. The man who hit and killed Officer Lenihan, identified as Jermaine Walton, was arrested by CHIP and has been booked in the Sacramento County Jail with no bail on charges of murder, causing an accident resulting in injury, freeway wrong-way driving, and DUI causing injury. And finally, from again, CBS local Sacramento. A public memorial service was held for Ty Lenahan, the Elk Grove police officer who was killed while heading to work. Lenahan was buried following an emotional service at the Bayside Church Adventure Campus in Roseville. He was remembered as a man of God on a mission to make the world a better place. He had served in the military as a motorcycle officer His life was cut short when a suspected drunk driver hit him head-on as he rode to work. Bagpipes played in front of an American flag hung between two ladder trucks. It has been tremendously helpful for our folks and the Lenahan family just to see the support, said an officer. A six-year veteran of the department, Lenahan also worked in Galt and Citrus Heights Police Departments after serving in the Air Force and briefly working as an electrician. Hundreds of law enforcement officers from around the state honored Lenahan, the first Elk Grove police officer to be killed in the line of duty. Family pastor, Phil Layton, led the public memorial service. Ty will always be remembered for a number of things. Selfless, selfless and infectious smile, that pure heart and his love, said Layton. He said it was a love of family, friends, and strong and Ty's strong state that drove him as a public servant. Ty believed we need to strengthen each other so we honor his life and legacy. Let's make sure we're living for what matters as he was striving to listen and learn from his life, said a speaker at the service. Some of the final words spoken to Ty at the memorial service were, rest easy. We'll take it from here. His wife also works at the Sacramento Police Department. After the service, a procession travels from the Bayside Church to Green Valley Mortuary in the town of Rescue, where a private graveside service was held. Today's show is dedicated to Officer Lenihan. It is also dedicated to all the brave men and women who serve as first responders, be they law enforcement, firefighters, or emergency services. It is also dedicated to all the brave men and women out there that serve in our military from the birth of this nation through today and into its hopeful future. We dedicate to them this song by Todd Allen Harrington, My Name is America. May God bless each and every one.
5: Of oppression, I fought for my liberty, I
4: paid with the blood of my people, freedom has never been free, now my door's always open,
5: to dreamers and friends. I stand for I respect for humanity Now I'm challenged by tyrants.
0: And we're back here again, here listening to Sudden Sense Live on Blog Talk Radio, SHR Media, Global Enlightenment Radio, uh, iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, iHeart, uh, Facebook, YouTube, and I have no idea, Curtis. Of course, I'm the hostess with yeah. the least most of the radio ticketing, along with my co-host, Curtis C.S. Bennett. Holy moly. I mean, I. I I can mess up a wet dream.
4: (laughs) Well, fortunately, this is a month where we we have plenty of opportunity because we have every day of the week this month is four four days, I believe. I mean, four weeks.
0: Yeah, that's unusual. You sent me that. What is it? That only happens something like 836 years apart?
4: Something like that. Right. Every 823 years. Where you have every day the week is four uh, four weeks.
0: Wow. Wow, that's amazing. So I guess those numbers you should be playing is four four four.
4: <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Oh
0: yeah. There is a heck of a lot that is going on out there today and uh <sighs> holy cow. Did you hear about this a uh, school in a suburb of Chicago and Illinois? shot down, a judge shot down the mask mandates. They said, no, you can't have a mask mandate in the state of Illinois. It's not lawful, it's whatever the reason was. So they said no more mask mandates. Well, some of the schools are still saying, no matter what, we're going to have a mask mandate. So they posted a sign on the school that said you enter here without a mask on, you will be asked to leave. So the hmm. kids always show up at school. oh uh, no. Nope. Well, the kids all showed up at school and a whole mess of them, a whole gaggle of them uh, went in without a mask. So of course they were told you have no mask on. So the kids all lined up and marched out the front door and it wasn't just two or three. It wasn't 10. It was 20. It was a ton of kids. There is a video up on YouTube that was also, I think posted up on Twitter too. Uh, if you just Google, uh, Chicago suburb, kids walk out, mask mandate. You'll probably see the video. Uh, I, I think Newsmax might have it up there also. Uh, but it's, it was so good. I mean, kids, teenagers, high school kids with the ability to think independently and said, that's it. We're not putting up with this. Because there was another uh, school in another Chicago suburb that rounded up all the kids that would not wear a mask and herded them into a single room. Now, you're worrying about spreading the virus, so the one thing you don't do is cram all these kids in one tight space. And the parents found out about it and was like, oh, no, you're not. So parents and students are uniting together to fight these school districts that have gone tyrannical with these mandates and other things of BS. I'm glad to see Americans taking their step forward. They they said, well, the truckers can do it. Why can't we? So maybe even the fact that parents were already speaking up at school board meetings have given the truckers the courage to say, hey, listen, we're not alone in this fight. Parents and students and people, of course, Canada and the United States and across the world, New Zealand, Australia, Germany, Italy, France. Oh, man, they had a, a, a... mask and mandate protest in Paris, uh, I believe it was just a couple of days ago. And the brutality that you see being laid on people peacefully protesting, peacefully protesting the Macron government. Talk about a tyrant. He sent the police after them with batons, rubber bullets, tear gas. They attacked the peaceful protesters. And you see some of these, being carried off and it's very visible that their legs were broken. You can see one guy halfway between the knee and his ankle, it's hanging at almost a ninety degree angle. I mean these people were getting beat in the head, beat across the back. This is what it's coming down to. These governments know they can no longer control we the people. So they're coming after us. So you gotta be you gotta watch out guys. We got the trucker Uh, Freedom rally coming from California starting off February 23rd, heading to Washington, D.C., should be there in time for the State of the Union. Let's see how Biden handles this. Let's see how nasty Pelosi handles this. To see truckers peacefully protesting. So they're sending out Department of Homeland Security, sending out terrorists, domestic terrorist warnings because these truckers are planning to go quest country. And you know what I'm saying out there to all the police departments out there? Give them an escort. Give them your escort. You want to keep the lanes open for other traffic? Keep them in the right-hand lane. Allow enough time for traffic to come in and off the ramps, but give them an escort so they can legally and orderly descend upon D.C. Just hand it off to the next jurisdiction. Give them the escort. Don't do like what Trudeau is doing right now. He's Rounding up the leaders. He's already arrested the two top people that started the Freedom Convoy. And you watch, I forget what her name is, but you watched her being carted off in handcuffs because she's out there exercising her Canadian constitutional rights of peacefully protesting. But Trudeau said, nope, I'm using an executive order. I'm putting a mandate out. And if anyone is out there protesting, we're arresting them. And the truckers are being defined. Let's see what the rest of Canada does. Because you look, providence by providence in Canada, the prime ministers of these provinces are dropping the mandates. They're seeing what's happening. They're seeing and they're declaring the pandemic is over. It's an endemic. It's going to be around like the common cold, so deal with it. You're not going to go around for the rest of your life hiding behind a mask. So the nation is speaking.
4: The nation is speaking. You with me, Curtis? Yeah, I had had an incoming call. I had to let him know I'm on the radio. I got an uncle that's um, (laughs) up in the hospital in Philly, so that was his wife trying to update me. I'm like, like, Carolyn, can you come get the phone? I'm on the radio. (laughs) But anyway, yeah, people are waking up, and it's about time. Unfortunately, I have some people just can't wait to, get the second um, shot, the booster, and this and that and the other. They're so uninformed, I'm telling you. Um, I got a cousin that doesn't want to come to see me because I didn't get vaccinated. Yet, before the vaccine came out, I mean, I was at her apartment. We're eating, hanging out together and everything. (laughs) We all went to Atlantic City. Yet, now since she's gotten a shot, oh, I don't want to be around you, that type of mentality. And I'm like, doesn't make sense. Before the shot came out, we were all hugging and everything in the same small space and all that. It's just they're doing a snow job on people up there.
0: They are. They actually are. Now, the thing is, is that um, you get the virus without the vaccine, you have natural immunity. And right now they're showing – People are still tested with natural immunity two years after contracting the virus. So we don't know how long natural immunity it may be for the rest of your life. That's a good possibility. It could be six years. We don't know because this is all. Well, brand me,
4: new. But we do know with
0: you. the vaccine. But if you do get the vaccine and you haven't had the virus, you can still get and transmit the virus. Mm-hmm. So your cousin's thinking that she's safe and she's not going to get the virus. And she's even if she does, she's not going to spread spread it. She's holding the wrong end of that stick. Go ahead. Well,
4: that's my whole point. My whole point is, okay, you got the vaccine. What are you afraid of now? (laughs) But um, I, you know, belong to the American Legion, and um, we have quite a few members who did get the shot, the vaccination last year. And um, do you know what? All five of them came down with COVID again.
0: Yep. And I'm hearing a lot of that. I'm hearing a lot of that. Yeah, and I'm like, I, I, okay, I, I,
4: what's, what's, what's all the taking the vaccine for if it's not protecting you?
0: No, what's, what's the funny thing is, is that, you know, you have the natural immunity. You're not going to get the virus again, nor can you spread it. But if you get the vaccine, you contract the virus, you can still get that virus a second time. And possibly, we don't even know it's possible, maybe even a third time. Because what oh, you're yeah. doing is you're altering your body's DNA. Yep. And it's altering the way in which your body immune system responds.
4: I recognize and this, these,
0: these viruses, vaccines, if you want to call them that, actually it's gene mutation, have not been, test, have not been um, what do you call, approved. We have our guest, our first victim in on the line. Uh, and whenever you want to do something, you, you don't do this. You don't piss off a cop. And that is what I think uh, Nasty Pelosi has done to this congressman, congressman from Texas, Troy Nels. How are you doing, Sheriff Nels? I'm doing fine. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. And I speak from experience because the last thing anyone wants to piss off is this New York City retired cop. And someone recently (laughs) did that and found out just what happened when you do. Well, yeah, Yeah, I think it's kind
6: of, you know, I've I've served in law enforcement for 30 years. I was the sheriff of a a large county here in in Fort Bend County, so I know a little bit about law and order. I'm a law and order man. I support the men and women in blue, and so why would Nancy Pelosi start targeting me? I told an uh, outlet the other day, I said, Nancy's toying with the wrong sheriff.
0: Yeah, yeah. And what's the highest law in the land? It's not the, the Supreme Court. It's the sheriff's. So I'm sorry. They have no control over the sheriffs because the sheriffs are the law of the land. Oh, but what happened was you were there January 6th in the chambers when some of these idiots tried storming the chambers, and you were there to help defend. You had just, just taken your seat only a matter of days before. So you, you saw everything that was going on, and the first thing that came to my mind I said, where's the backup? How come they've got the Capitol Police out there? Where are the ba- where's the backup? Because normally you'd see buses and buses loads of other units sitting there in wait to be deployed. Trust me, I've gone through enough riots. And I know the tactics that they would use. And I didn't see the phallics being formed to help defend and pull any injured officers out of the way. I didn't see any of the tactics that I know for crowd control. But then you see offices just opening the barriers and letting people onto the plaza. And I'm going, wait a minute, who's giving the orders here? And these are all things that you are starting to question.
6: That's right. And you're right. It was January 6th. I was inside the chamber that the business of the day was certifying the electors. And, of course, I objected to Arizona and Pennsylvania later on. Uh, It wouldn't do anything different today. Uh, but, yes, I did what I could to try to, you know, de-escalate the situation, help defuse the situation with the knuckleheads on the other side of the door. I mean, you know, there were hundreds of people inside the Capitol, but a majority of the people in the Capitol that day, through video footage, uh, didn't do anything wrong. They, the, a majority of the people in that building today didn't assault a police officer. They didn't break anything. And those that did those that did assault law enforcement or break windows and glass, you know, they should be held accountable and they should see jail as far as I'm concerned. But a majority of the people in there didn't, uh, didn't put their hands on anyone. Matter of fact, many of them in there were thanking law enforcement, having conversations with law enforcement and, and just are good people. And so I, I question uh, the Capitol police, the leadership team, because, they had so much intelligence for that for that event. They, the, the intelligence was rolling in weeks prior stating that the Capitol building, the Capitol was the target. There they were people that had the, the maps to the underground tunnel system. We knew that there were going to be extremist groups there, but yet the intelligence section did nothing with it. They kind of just sat on it. They put all this intelligence in their pocket because – For what reason? It it appears they almost wanted it to happen because I would have – I mean, I think an entry-level law enforcement officer would have looked at that intelligence, and you would have deployed the National Guard there on January 4th already. The Guard Mm would have been there, and if the Guard would have been there January 6th, it it wouldn't – nothing – we wouldn't be talking about January 6th. So the leadership of the Capitol Police failed the American people, and they must be held accountable.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Me, I'm just a little, old, you know, podcast to hear in the state of South Carolina, but I was here in the TomToms Toms two weeks prior and I was being told that there were going to be vans parked near the plaza with people that are going to have change of clothes in there. OK, why do you need a change of clothes? Because they bought Trump memorabilia and they were going to get out of their Antifa and Black Lives, uh, Black Lives Matter regalia and put on trump regalia to help egg on the crowd i was hearing this two weeks prior that this was being planned so i was i'm sure my co-host would tell you that i did say something on air i said if you're heading there be aware be on the lookout and don't let them do this to you and sure enough if i heard it and i'm down here and what do i have you know the internet and maybe someone may make a phone call to me I mean, come on, I retired in 96, so what connections would I have that I could hear? But I did. So if I could hear, why didn't nasty Pelosi hear?
6: And and that's the point, too, is that is that, you know, this January 6th, this sham committee looking into January 6th, obviously Leader McCarthy asked me to be one of five to be on, you know, one of his picks to be on the committee, and then Nancy Pelosi pretty much rejected everybody. I mean, she officially didn't like Jim Jordan or Jim Banks, but we then said if you don't take any of us, all of us, you're not getting any of us. So we continued on with our kind of shadow investigation, and I have continued to do this now for the past 12 months, looking at January 6th. And the evidence and everything that I've seen, You, the American people need to understand that, President Trump was speaking in the Ellipse. He didn't get done speaking until 1.10 p.m. The first breach of the bicycle rack was at 12.57, and the Ellipse is 22 blocks away from the Capitol. Trump supporters did not conduct that initial breach. Ray Epps was involved in it. He was one of the guys up at the front line encouraging people to breach uh, those few officers that were there. Uh, with those bicycle racks. So the idea to say, oh, these were Trump people, these all were Trump people, I beg to differ because Trump Mm -hmm. people uh, don't leave his speeches early, and it would have taken them a half hour to walk to the Capitol. And so it's just this is what the American people need to hear, and we're not going to get this information from Benny Thompson and that sham committee.
0: No, and the funny part was I was sitting here at home watching the speech on TV. And I was getting texts on my phone saying the Capitol was being breached. Trump caused a Capitol riot. And I'm going, wait a minute, he's still there talking. How could he cause a riot when he's still on the other side of D.C.? That made no sense to me. So this is where things started trickling and trickling. Like who opened the uh, Columbus Street doors? Uh, Excuse me, each door weighs 2,000 pounds. You need a cannon to breach that. And I didn't see anyone with a cannon. (laughs) So who opened the doors? there's a lot of questions but because you are part of the shadow committee um someone breached your office didn't they
6: they did and and i feel that you know i've been probably one of the most vocal uh uh members of congress regarding january 6th i mean i spent countless hours uh analyzing all the information all of the reports the the senate hearings back in february and march and and I've provided Leader McCarthy a 14-page document on my findings. I did that already. He's had that for eight, nine months already. Because, it, it, you know, January 6th was really a law enforcement matter. It was a law enforcement failure. And so I've been very vocal and very critical of, of the leadership of the Capitol Police and Nancy Pelosi. And so now all of a sudden I feel like I am being a targeted. I'm being targeted now by that leadership team. Uh, they... A Capitol Police officer was inside my office. They claim they found an open door, and he was inside my office to make sure no one sh- uh, that was unauthorized should be in my office. It was a Saturday afternoon, and we weren't in session at the time. And while he was in there making sure no one sh- was in there, that he started taking pictures of some of my documents and 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 information on my whiteboard which contained my legislative priorities for this year. But he found some of the words on that whiteboard suspicious. It was a little hand drawing of a map of the Rayburn building. And for your listeners, that's one of the three buildings that uh, are for members of Congress. That's where, we, where our offices are. And there was a little handwritten map of that Rayburn building with an X on it. And he found that to be suspicious. So this officer <laughs> takes the picture he sends it to the intelligence section, who sends it to a supervisor, and then I have three secret squirrels uh, and <laughs> undercover agents showing up at my office that following Monday, talking to, you know, almost uh, questioning my, one of my staffers about the content on that board. Unbelievable, quite honestly.
0: Unbelievable. <laughs> And the the arrogance and the swamp that you found yourself in, and I know the Rayburn building, you know, when I was there for Trump's inauguration, um, a friend of mine, uh, Joe, uh, not Joe Wilson, Um, yeah, Joe Wilson, uh, used to be my congressman, and a friend of mine used Mm -hmm. to work with him, so she said, hey, listen, we're going to go see Joe, so we went over to his office to see and say hi to him, Um, but, uh, you know... uh, There's so much that goes into this, but they're actually trying to stop your investigation, it sounds like. They don't want the truth to come out. They want the Cheney uh, (laughs) version to get out, which is why McCarthy has now endorsed her opponent, which is practically unheard of.
6: Yes, I think what it is 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 I think they're trying to – they want me to shut up. Uh, They're trying to silence me and and maybe – intimidate to the point of even destroy me that's what they're trying to do uh but good luck with that uh that's not <laughs> going to happen but i just believe that that for the capitol police to go into a members of congress to go into any member office doesn't matter if you're a democrat or republican and start taking pictures uh on, on material that you think is suspicious and then have a, a criminal investigation conducted on that member is beyond their scope. It's beyond their authority. There, are, there is a speech and debate clause in the Constitution, uh, and we're looking into seeing whether that was violated. And the, the Inspector General, his name is Michael Bolton. He's not the singer Michael Bolton, but this guy, his name is Michael Bolton, and he's agreed to conduct an in- investigation into my issue because uh, it just that, things like that should never happen. Nancy Pelosi has taken the Capitol Police, and she's weaponized it. She is now using the Capitol Police as her own intelligence agency, her own private police force, and she's going after members of Congress that have dissenting point of views that don't necessarily agree with her or those that she feel could be threatening to her as it relates to January 6th and exposing the truth. The American people need to hear the truth, and I'm that truth seeker.
0: Well, did you fall out of your Archie Bunker chair when she went up to the podium just the other day and said she's not responsible for the Capitol Police? The Sergeant at Arms does not answer to her. I mean, I did.
6: I fell out of that That's horse manure. That's horse manure. (laughs) Nancy Pelosi oversees the Capitol Police, folks. Make no mistake about it. She appoints the House Sergeant at Arms, who is one of the three members on the Capitol Police Board, who then uh, selects the chief. But I can guarantee it. When Chief Manger walks into her office, he he goes to the position of attention. I can tell you he does. Pelosi is in charge of the Capitol Police. Nancy Pelosi is the one that says, I want metal detectors uh, for members walking into the House floor. Nancy Pelosi is the one that's going to say, everybody should have a mask on. No, she's in complete control of what takes place in and around that Capitol, I can guarantee it,
4: Congressman. Now, this is the co-host. Aside from getting rid of Pelosi, are there any other legal remedies for what's going on? Like what happened to you?
6: Well, I I have I've had an attorney. Uh, I I have spoken to an attorney regarding this issue. Uh, I believe that my civil rights have been violated. But I'm going to now be uh, prudent and wait till the attorney uh, inspector general comes back with his findings, which I believe is going to state that, that the Capitol Police have no authority whatsoever uh, to go into a member's office and start taking pictures of, of uh, legislative materials and other things that they deem suspicious. I mean, that's not their role. And so I'm just going to give it a little bit of time and wait for that inspector general's report because the limited amount, the limited amount of integrity that we have left in Washington, D.C. should remain with members on both sides of the aisle that they can feel safe and secure in their office. And once mm-hmm. a member can't feel safe and secure in his office, well, then all hell's going to break loose. Because no one from the Capitol Police should be able to go in there and just start conducting their own investigations uh, uh, and and look at material that they feel is suspicious. I mean that's beyond. You want to do that? Go get some type of a warrant, or you know. And and, and I even question whether that would be their role anyway. Uh, so uh, I feel that my rights have been violated, but I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, wait for the Inspector General to come back with his findings.
0: Well, one of the first things is when I read the first article that appeared about, you know, your office being violated, I'm going, Mm -hmm. what cop would walk out of their office or their home and not lock it behind them? I know of none. Because the first thing you're thinking is, you know, secure the premise before you go, right? We're beginning to
6: believe we almost, you know, they, they claim that they found my door wide open. And I did a little video the other day on the door that they claim. They found wide open on a Saturday afternoon. That door doesn't stand open by itself. I mean, we opened it up and banged it on the back wall, and the door closes automatically. (laughs) So I'm beginning to now question, how did you find the door wide open on a Saturday afternoon? I mean, you know. and then, you know, there's a cleaning crew, companies that that come in and, and clean members' offices. But I have to tell you, I'm not getting a lot of cooperation from them either. I believe that, if they were infiltrated. I believe, well, I believe Friday night, sometime Friday uh, in the evening hours that a cleaning crew was in my office to clean it as they usually do during the week. But I can't get the, I can't get the superintendent uh, to, to answer my question as to was the cleaning crew in my office Friday night, who was there and at what time, and did they secure the door when they left? But he won't answer any of those questions. He will not answer those questions. And so I'm beginning to believe now, what are they hiding? Nancy, what are you doing? What are you doing? Are you trying to destroy me and, and my character and my credibility? Well, good luck with that. Good luck with that because I will, I will continue to seek the truth. I'm a, see, I'm a truth seeker. I'm exposing January 6th. She wants to silence me, and now she's going to use the Capitol Police as a way to intimidate me. It's not going to work.
0: Now, I, I know um, Louis Gomart, and I love that man. He's, that man has a memory like a steel trap. I met him once at a South Carolina Tea Party Coalition convention, and he was talking to a friend of mine, Katrina Pearson. So I walked over to say hi to Katrina, and she introduced me. And then two years later, he turns back to the convention, and I'm walking past, and he just calls out to say hi. I was like, dang, he remembers me. <laughs> I, was, I, I love that man. But he's a good guy. But Louis Gohmert and Marjorie Taylor Greene and, um, oh, God, uh, uh, Walsh, I believe it is, the, the congressman out of Florida, have been going trying to figure out what's going on with the January 6th prisoners. Now, over 700 individuals have been arrested, a lot of them for nothing more than being on the premises protesting. And some of these charges that I've been reading are so trumped up you know, things that would have been a slap on the wrist, you spend the night in the jail, you get a desk appearance ticket, you appear before the judge, and the judge yells at you, and you go home. But they're being held there for months upon months upon months, unconstitutionally because there's no guarantee of a speedy trial, no guarantee of, you know, facing your accusers, and they're being intimidated and forced to take these plea bargains. Now, there's two individuals that just got a plea bargain, not uh, sentenced, to two years probation. And the judge's reasoning is to prevent them from protesting for two election cycles. And this was simply for being protesting, not damaging property or anything like that. What is going to happen to these individuals? I mean, some of them being held legitimately, yes, I understand. But the vast majority are just protesting charges?
6: Yeah, the third individual from Florida I think you're referencing is Representative Gap. Matt Getz,
0: yes, thank uh, from, you
6: thank from, uh, from Florida and, and yes, I know that Louie and, and Marjorie and Matt Getz have been down into the gulag uh, into that uh, prison there in washington d c in the District of Columbia, which is really controlled by the fed. Uh and and the people got to understand that they're – you know why are these being, why are these people being held so long? I think there's about fifty or plus in there right now, according to other reports and Julie Kelly and stuff that, uh, you know, there, there really is no bail system in the federal system. So they either let you go or they don't. Uh, it's, it, they can hold you or they don't. And obviously the feds have chosen to hold, you know, these 50 or 60 that are, still remain there today. I think it's a sad state of affairs with what you're seeing with crime across our entire country. And we have liberal DAs that have been funded by George Soros. And, and liberal judges that are being elected in many of these liberal cities are letting real, real hardened criminals go. They are letting people out for very little bail or no bail at all, for homicide, for aggravated assault. And then what do we see? These same individuals are going back to the first vi- the victim that put them in jail, and they're going back and they're killing them. So it, it's, it's we have anarchy almost to the point on our, on our streets because we have these liberal DAs and these liberal judges that are pandering to the criminal today—they're pandering to the criminal. You've got the liberals around there wanting to defund the police. Hell, they tried to, to totally dismantle the police in Minneapolis. Uh, so it, it's it's a sad state of affairs. But the American people, the American people have—they they are—they are, they realize that the Republican Party is about law and order, and they're 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 actually starting to fight back. And that's why you see approval ratings. With this administration, you know, in the low thirties, and I'm quite—I'm trying to figure out what the hell's the matter with the 33 percent. Why do they feel this administration is doing something good for the American people when they're doing nothing good for the American people?
0: Oh, because it's not Trump. Yeah, as long as it's not Trump, they're happy. So you know, you just use Trump as an excuse. You know, it just—it's it just, absolutely, absolutely stunning, and amazing. I mean, we've got an open Mexican border. But you can't allow truckers crossing over from Canada to the United States to deliver goods if they're not vaccinated. But you can have the unvaccinated, the unclean, the unhealthy, the criminal element come across and be escorted into the inner sanctum of the United States. No problem. No problem. This is an upside-down nation. I never thought I'd see a situation like this.
6: Everything you see with this administration, you touched upon the border with the open borders. Secretary Mayorkas, he's a joke. Uh, He says the border is open. I've been down to the border. Uh, I've been to Laredo, McAllen, to Yuma, Arizona, to San Diego. The border is not closed. It is open for business. We have people from hundreds of countries, well well over 100 countries, enter our southern border, we want to talk about fentanyl killing people. It kills more people than car crashes today. And then you look at this, this the, up in Ottawa with the truckers. With, for the first two years of corona, coronavirus, uh, they didn't have this type of rule. And then we get the Omicron, which is really nothing more than a head cold, and now they want to implement this rule. Well, I support the truckers. Hong Kong fellas. You stay at it. You go up there. You continue to peacefully protest because you're absolutely right. The federal government has no authority, in my humble opinion. It's a violation of our constitutional rights to mandate a vaccine. And, and so I support the truckers. I support, you know, just the, the, the freedom. What, what's happened to freedom in America? And you're seeing countries across the globe, Canada, for a good example, they're starting to fight back against these dictators, so to speak, and saying, listen, we control our own bodies. These are our bodies, and I'm not getting the shot. And so the idea that this federal government and, uh, and Joe Biden is going to make this a mandatory shot, uh, people are starting to stand up and say enough is enough.
0: You know, the funny thing is I've said this many, many times. You know, you have someone that's pro-choice. My body, my choice. And I was unfortunate to be stuck in the, the pink get a little hack protest the day after the inauguration because we were about three blocks behind the Capitol and my girlfriend's going don't get into a fight Ann. and of course I was not quiet <laughs> but uh, it's my body my choice if you're pro-choice but it's not my body it's not my choice if you're a pro-vaccine does that make sense exactly yes
6: it does and you know I uh I don't know, I'm sure you're f- familiar with who Dr. Robert Malone is, and and yes. the idea, uh, you know, what What does big tech do, uh, and even big pharma, when you have individuals out there that have resumes as long as my arm, that are very qualified to speak on virus, the, uh, viruses like Dr. Malone, he's been involved in this for, for years, uh, studying these types of viruses, and then when he... You know is on Joe rogan's show, and he exposes some of the you know and questions uh, uh, some of the way our government has handled uh, this virus this covid nineteen virus and then all of a sudden what does what do they do? They silence him, they silence him they're going to pull him off of the social media platforms because it goes against uh, this administration, and that's what's so scary the fact that people that have a dissenting point of view, uh, the, that, this, that big tech will just silence them. And, and that's not what America is all about. We should be able to agree to disagree. We should be able to agree to disagree and not, you know, raise our fists and, and punch each other in the nose, uh, but that's not what we see today. What we see from the left today is, is they want to defund the police, and a matter of fact, what we're going to do is we're going to go out and riot and protest, burn down buildings, burn down police stations, burn down a beautiful church in our nation's capital, and we're going to assault anybody that gets in our way. That's the way, we, that's the, way the left handles business today. They want to intimidate, and then they tend to silence people and, and, and go after people that have a dissenting point of view, like Dr. Robert Malone. But this is what I did. I took his entire two-and-a-half-hour uh, uh, interview with Joe Rogan and I entered it into the congressional record
0: because you cannot Mm.
6: censor the congressional record.
0: No, that's absolutely awesome. It's absolutely awesome. There's two other scientists besides Malone that have have been silenced. Uh, Former Harvard professor Martin Kildorf. Um, He was one of those that was rather outspoken and he had written something like about Uh, His work has been cited 27,000 times, and he had 201 peer-reviewed published journal papers. His resume in the Food and Drug Administration is 45 pages long. That's how much cred this doctor has. But he's lost his job because he was saying, wait a minute, Fauci's wrong about how we're doing this. Sweden is right. Leave everything wide open. Don't do the mandates. And the virus will become herd immunity and it will run its course and, uh, and everyone can get back to a normal life. But because he had the audacity to challenge Fauci. Well, that's right, challenge, Fauci is the science. No, that's not how science works. You probe, you question, you test, you experiment. And then you determine what the results are. But that's not being done here. Another scientist, uh, Dr. Merrill Ness, uh, she had. She was an internal a medical physician, and they've been trying to yank her license and silence her, again, because she is disagreeing with Dr. Fauci. And she has testified before Congress and state legislators on bioterrorism, Gulf War sy- syndrome, and vaccine safety. I mean, these are highly credible people, but heaven forbid you go against this administration and Dr. Fauci. Now, you are a terrorist, and you can't have your 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 voice heard.
6: That's right, and and so I I I I think we are are at a very very difficult time in our country with with a a dishonest media. I think a dishonest media, the dishonest media is one of is maybe the greatest threat we see in our country. Um, you know that obviously the left controls uh, the media. You look at you know what's happened now with, with Donald Trump and the Durham investigation and the, the media they are silent on this with Hillary Clinton with with Hillary Clinton and spying on on the Trump campaign. But yet uh, years ago, uh, all the media outlets were out there talking about Trump and Russia collusion. I mean, you saw it on MSLSD and all these other stations. They were talking about Trump Russia collusion Russia collusion. Well, then you find out that there was no Russia collusion, and then they go silent. They go dark. And, and now we, we, we get the Durham report coming back, talking about uh, Hillary Clinton potentially spying, and they don't even want to talk about it. Well, let's talk about Ukraine, right? Let's talk about everything else but this. Uh, it's a damn shame, and it's a sad state of affairs with what we see with our nation's
0: uh, media outlet. Yeah, well, I caught I part of her speech. And my mom, God bless her, she's 89, she'll turn 90 this July 4th. It goes to show how American she is. But she looked at me, and she goes, is this woman insane? I says, now you get it, Mom? <laughs> Go ahead, Curtis.
4: Yes, um, i just got a hypothetical for you. Should Trump get back in, what direction you think this country will take as far as um, correcting all these um um, this unlawfulness um, within the halls of Congress and, and our our institutions, especially the bureaucracy. I mean, we know he was in there the first um, year, four years um, as a newcomer, but he has learned a lot. And I'm just curious, what do you think, um, with the knowledge he has gained over the first term, what will he potentially do once he get, gets back into office, should he?
6: Well, what I had an opportunity. The president called me uh, Wednesday night. We had a conversation. He heard about my story with my office, and, and I, I, I said, I'm said i I'm sorry, to, Mr. President, to see that this Durham investigation where the Hillary spied on your office, and we just had a wonderful conversation. And I did say to him, I said, you owe it to the American people to come back in 2024 because I believe he's the only one. He is the only one right now. He is the leader of our party. And I believe that Donald Trump will win the Republican primary in 2024, and I believe he will be our next president of the United States. That's what I believe, because this you got to look at, you know, and there's a lot of people that are so critical about some of his texting and some of the name calling. And, OK, I understand all that. He's he's a businessman. He's been around a long time. He is who he is. But I say you got to put some of that aside and look at the results, look at what he did for our country over those four years with record unemployment. I mean, the unemployment was in the lowest for all different races, all different types of people. We, our economy was booming. Wall Street was doing well. We kept our adversaries in check with China as well as Putin. Putin wasn't threatening to go into Ukraine when Donald Trump was president, was he? So we had the most secure border we've had in decades, and Donald Trump did it on his own. Even when we had both chambers – We have the House of Representatives under Paul Ryan, and we have the Senate, and they failed to do their damn job, so Donald Trump did it on his own through executive order with Bill in the Wall. So that would be my concern, is once the American people give us the House back, and we're going to take the House back in 2023, and if we get the Senate back, and we have to put the American people first, the America First agenda, the Make America Great Again agenda, I think that's what the American people want. We have been such a very, very generous country to others across the globe that need our help with, you know, all the different people, whether it's Israel and all these other countries that need some financial support and aid. But this president put the American people first. We helped others, but America must be first. And that's why I support Donald Trump. I believe he's coming back. I believe he's going to win the nomination. And if he gets 74 million votes again in 2024, he will be our next president because everybody's not going to have a universal ballot this time. And you won't see the
0: fraud you saw in 2020. Yeah, well, they tried to uh, pass that Lewis bill um, to try to federalize the elections and make it easier for for them to cheat. That didn't quite work. And then Chuck Schumer tried to kill the filibuster, and that hasn't quite worked. So it's really important that we do, like you said, take back the House and take back the Senate. But with that, talking about the House, I have to give you my condolences because Congressman Jim Hagdorn passed away last night, and that's a sad thing to see. He was a good man, and we need more good people like him and you in Congress.
6: Yeah, Jim was a great guy. We knew he was that he was sick, and I – I uh, I just feel horrible about that because he was, I mean, he, he just a, a great member, uh, a great member of Congress. He was deliberate in his decisions, and and I considered him a dear friend and, and a confidant, and as just you know, I, blessings to his entire family as they go through this process. I know it's not easy, but uh, Jim will be remembered always as a great American, a great representative for the state of Minnesota. So God bless you, he and his family.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Because we start off each show with a dedication to a fallen hero, but I mentioned uh, Congressman Hagdorn first, and then um, I then went into my dedication. Uh, So, yeah, we have to remember the people that are true American heroes, and I would say he is one of them. So that said, yes, he is. uh, now, you're one of the people pushing to open the Capitol back up again, but we got the State of the Union coming. We've got the Freedom Convo- Convoy heading towards D.C. to get there approximately the time of the State of the Union. I don't see Pelosi willing to open up the Capitol, do you? No, I don't. I, You know, I've got the
6: information now uh, for the State of the Union, which is March 1st, Tuesday, March 1st. Obviously, I will not be there um, March 1st. Believe it or not, is primary day for here in the state of Texas. Uh-huh. So I don't know how many I don't know how many members from Texas, the thirty six of us uh, are going to be uh, at the State of the Union on March first. I, I, I know I will not be there because I will be down here celebrating my victory in my Republican primary. So uh, <laughs> I will not be up there to see uh, you know the the uh, the truckers. Of course, I support the truckers. And one thing about the truckers is they are up there. They are, they are demonstrating, but they're doing it peacefully. And I think many, many people across the globe support the truckers. They're not burning things down. They're not assaulting anybody. You know, they, you had people donate money to GoFundMe and this and that, and then, they, they, then big tech in them, they try to take that money away and, and try to uh, silence uh, the American people trying to support and help these truckers financially. So uh, if you see a, a convoy coming into Washington, D.C., I'm sure they are there to express their frustration and their outrage over a mandatory vaccine for them to do their job. You know, they're in their trucks by themselves, and if it's somebody's in there the passenger seat, it's usually their wife or their girlfriend. So why do you feel you need the mandatory vaccine, a mandatory vaccine for these truckers when pretty much they're by themselves? a majority of the time makes no sense to me.
0: No, it doesn't. It absolutely doesn't. But I heard now uh, they keep on changing the rules on who could be present for the state of the union. Now you got to remember Nancy Pelosi on TV created uh, committed a felony when she ripped up Donald Trump's speech on camera and deliberately. That is destruction of federal property. And when she did that, I don't know why she wasn't placed in handcuffs. If I did that, I'd still be sitting behind the, the gulag, <laughs> you know, but, you know, they keep changing the rules. First off, I heard 20 from each side or no, we're going to do a full house. And then every term, what, what are the rules? Do you know what they are at this well, point? I believe,
6: I believe it was when I went to the, the first time a president is in office, it, it's not called a, 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 uh, Uh, it was a joint session, and I was there last year. Uh, Biden was there, and we call it, it's called a joint session. Uh, And then the second year, a president is off, they call it the State of the Union. I believe that the members are all, are invited, but they are going to use not only the House floor, but they're also going to use the gallery, and there will be no guests. So we're not – you can't bring like a – you try to bring – invite somebody from your district, you know, somebody that did something good, but I don't believe that's the case this year. So they're going to use the entire uh, floor as well as the gallery to get, I think, 535 in that uh, – for the State of the Union. But I will not be one of them there because –
0: I think we just lost the congressman. Oh, he dropped out. You still with us, Congress? Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Yeah. You yeah, you dropped did you out. You thought
3: we lost I'm sorry.
6: you? You did. Uh, yeah.
0: uh,
3: they're the going to use the
6: Police gallery. Thing. Yeah, they're going to use the gallery as well, and and the house floor. Uh, I believe every member of Congress is invited this year, but the, but you're not allowed to bring any guests. So they're mm-hmm. going they're going to uh, they're going to invite everybody, but you can have no guests. Last year. Obviously, it was very limited. Uh, there were only like 20 or so on each side. I was one of the 20 or so that was at the joint session last year. Now, this year, they're calling it a State of the Union because the first year a president is office, uh, it's not a State of the Union. They call it a joint session. Um, so uh, I won't be there this year, obviously, because of our Republican primary on March 1st, but I believe all members of
4: Congress have been invited. Now, Congressman, no. does that does that apply to the president? Can he still bring guests?
6: I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what he can and cannot do. But uh, yeah, I just um, listen. I I I support the office of the presidency. I do. I just feel that that Joe Biden has he's just a train wreck. He and his an entire administration. From his vice president, who they consider the, the border czar, when he appointed her to the border czar, she's done nothing to secure our southern border. Matter of fact, she continues to just pretty much avoid our southern border and travel everywhere else. You look at the D.H. secretary with Orcas, I believe that guy's in denial and he has failed. I'm not happy with General Milley; I fired him a long time ago as well because look at what's happened to our military the the dismal withdrawal out of afghanistan and the way they they l- roll that out 13 young members of our military should be alive today but this administration failed those they're failing our military with these mandatory vaccines people leaving the military uh refusing to take the shot and i think it's compromising uh our our, our defense in, in this country so we have weakness this president shows and displays nothing but weakness, and that's why you see Putin toying over there, saber-rattling there over in the Ukraine, and that's why China flying you know jets over Taiwan, because this president displays nothing but weakness, and it's just a sad state of affairs, what we see with this administration and just about
0: everything it does. Well, I I live in the heart of what we call the Tri-Command. A couple of miles in one direction, I've got the Naval Hospital. Another couple of miles in another direction, I've got the Marine Corps Paris Island Recruit Depot. And then further up the road, I've got the Marine Corps Air Station. And this is talk that I hear all the time. And I hear civilian members of the military as well as military, active military. They're getting ready to throw their retirement papers in. They're hanging on as long as they can. And when it comes down to that bottom line, then they'll, they'll pull the papers and, and turn them in. I mean, I've got, I've got three military families directly across the street from me right now. And every one of them is biting their nails. Uh, it's, it's, it's not a pleasant situation. And the only reason why I can think that they're hanging on to the, ma- the uh, vaccine mandates is to what we call cold the herd. Pull all the people out that were favorable to Trump, that were good military leaders – and put in Biden's puppets. But then if you look at his cabinet and what he's been putting in there, we've got Pete Buttigieg who knew nothing about transportation. And at the height of the transportation crisis, what is he? He's on maternity leave. And when he comes back, what does he do? He goes on a talking tour. And he ends up on all the covers of all these magazines. And what's more important is his sexual orientation than getting the friggin' job done. Now throw him on to this, his new appointment. Uh, have you heard about this person, Sam Britton, who parances in front of Congress in spiked heels, and he's the one now? Oh, yes, he's an MIT graduate. Nice. But he is so flamboyant, he publicly exposes his sexual perversions, whether it be for bestiality or whatever, and he promotes them. But he's in charge of our nuclear waste. That's the perfect person. You look, what is the purpose of this administration? The only thing I can think of is to destroy the government and destroy our republic. Now, can we invoke the yeah. 25th Amendment at this point?
6: So, uh, that's a very difficult thing to do, quite honestly, the 25th. There's just more than just getting members of Congress to vote to say let's let's invoke the 25th. It it takes an enormous amount of effort. you got to have more than just uh, 50%. But the, the the point I think you're making is that yeah, this administration seems to be making decisions all in the name of uh, social justice or social injustice. You see that with the defund the police movement. You see that now with, with his attitude as it relates to putting people in positions now uh, that may not necessarily be the most qualified. His comments about the next Supreme Court justice saying, I want to make sure that that is a, an African-American female Well, to me, that should offend just about anybody else that would be qualified for that position. So, again, I don't really know if if Joe is actually in charge. He doesn't appear to be in charge. I don't really know who is in charge up there with some of these decisions that they've been making, quite honestly, all the way back to January 20th, when he then all of a sudden said, we're going to get rid of all Trump executive orders as it related to the border as it related to the keystone pipeline as it related to the north stream Two. now that putin is using to his advantage uh uh, so it it, this administration is is off balance and this administration quite honestly is destroying this country we are spending trillions of dollars with these spending bills $6 $6 trillion, $6 trillion on COVID, 6000000000000 trillion. We're up to $30 trillion now. Enough is enough. But the American people are waking up to it. I think what you saw there in Virginia with them electing Governor Yadkin up there. So I think, January, I think in November uh, you're going to see a significant shift. You're going to see many, many independents and others supporting the Republican candidates. We're going to gain a large majority, I think, in the House of Representatives. Hopefully we can get the Senate back. And then we got two more years of of Sleepy Joe. And when we get uh, President Donald Trump back as number 47, I think it's going to be a great, great thing for America and the American people.
0: Well, you know, I've seen the trend here where I live because I still run my Tea Party. Now, yes, I still have monthly meetings. My last month meeting, I looked around the room. There were so many new faces that I, I never saw before. And one woman came in. She had only moved here four days before our meeting, and she was there. I want to be involved. I moved from XYZ State four days ago. I came here because I heard you're a patriotic town, and you still had a tea party going. And holy cow, I got goosebumps. I really got goosebumps. So, you know, we have to stay politically active. We as conservatives, we're so busy about our jobs, our family, just going along, getting along, and just, you know, having a nice life until, as I call it, you, po- you poke the bear. And I think mama bear has finally gotten poked, and we're saying we're not taking it anymore. Look at these school board meetings, and look what happened in Chicago suburb just the other day. The kids were told, you walk in here without a mask, you're going to have to leave, and in mass. A whole large portion of that class walked out, not just one or two, and everybody that walks out of that school building, that's a body they don't get paid for, and that costs the school district, and I love it. And we can't, we got to vote, but we also have to vote with our feet and our dollars. That's my rant for the day.
6: (laughs) I I really do appreciate the time you've given me to talk to you today, and I think that You know, in November, we just have to elect members of Congress that are conservatives, truly conservatives, support the Constitution, and will fight the establishment, fight that swamp. It's a swamp. Washington, D.C. is a deep, deep swamp. And and we need to fight that because we need to bring in conservatives to make sure that we can, uh, 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 you know, protect the Constitution. Uh, and, And there's just we just have so many up there. That don't seem to you know you get elected you tell the people in your district that you're going to do this you want to cut taxes you want to reduce regulation you, you and 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 what do we do when we get there? We continue to vote for debt ceiling increases we continue to vote for continued resolutions instead of going through a regular budget process through regular order and 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 this has got to stop and so i I, I just hope the American people truly understand that. Look at the candidates that are running and pick the true conservatives. Uh, enough with these the establishment and the Rhinos because they're not helping us. Look at look at Liz Cheney and Adam Kensinger. You know, those are Pelosi Republicans. They don't do any good for the Republican Party. None. Zero. No. No. And we need to kick them out of our party. I, I, I wish Leader McCarthy would, would we would expel them, we would get them out of our Republican Party because they're dangerous. They're dangerous for our party. They insult our leader of our party, which is Donald Trump, each and every day. They seem to say something negative about that man, and we need to expel him out of the Republican Party.
0: Well, Congressman, it has a pleasure uh, having you on, and we welcome you back anytime. time. Uh, it's always fun to have a, a voice of reason and showing that there are people we can elect that will get the job done. God bless you, sir. Thank you. God bless
6: you and your listeners. Bye-bye.
0: All right, Congressman Troy Neels. There's a link on the show page to his congressional page. Uh, so check him out and check out, you know, what he stands for and what he's doing. You know, he's a good man. And like I said, the wrong person to piss off is a cop. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. It was a fun interview. Definitely a fun interview. All right. Now, what am I doing here? Oh, that's what I'm looking for. Okay. I'm just trying to get myself a little organized here. But... Uh, We've got a few minutes before our next guest calls in. And uh, I just want to make a notation here. Just bear with me as I write some notes. Uh, do, 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 do. All right. Um, okay. That's done. That's taken care of. Okay. If I don't do that now, I'll forget what I'm doing. Anyway. All right. Joe I am, should be I am like the congressman.
4: Shortly. I'm just like the congressman. <laughs> I, I think the Capitol Police are being weaponized to go beyond their, their, um, their authority and things like that shouldn't happen. And if they do happen, there should be consequences for those who directed them to do such things. But as we know, starting with the Clintons, there's no accountability when they do things, but let there be a Roger stone or someone like that. Um, general Flynn, and, you know, is off to prison.
0: Well, look what they did to Papadopoulos. They did send Papadopoulos to prison. He got overturned. Oh, yeah. But, you know, um, uh, Rick Gates, they persecuted Rick Gates. How much money did he, he practically went bankrupt just defending himself. Uh, Katie McFarland, oh, yeah. FBI <laughs> one day shows up at her house and and starts, you know, questioning her and everything else. It doesn't matter who you are. If you're on the wrong side of the swamp, uh, you're bait. You're, you're, you're alligator bait. That's a simple, simple fact. And uh, it, I mean, it's got to stop.
4: I just look at the couple who were defending their property. You know, they have weapons and things, um, trying to ward off a mob from burning their house down and breaking in and all that. And they become the bad guys. You know, what kind of country is this when... You know, those who are the oppressors get away with, um, you know, the things they get away with. And those defending themselves against the oppressors, they become the, you know, the ones held culpable, you know, legally. I mean, they were defending their property. They had the right to do so. They bear arms. That's in the Constitution. But that, that city or jurisdiction or state took them to court over that and you never heard about anybody um from the mob scene being um you know questioned even questioned you know let alone be held responsible for their actions breaking down the gates and stuff coming into that community terrorizing it
0: well you know sarge has got a conversation with himself inside the chat room <laughs> i can't resist sarge uh, <clears throat> but uh recently there was a blm activist And he was one of the ones that, uh, where the heck is that CNN reporter's name? I heard about Uh, it. Yeah. yeah. Well, she's there interviewing him, you know, Black Lives Matter, blah, 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 asking what he wants and, you know, to fund the police and so on and so forth. Uh, No one pulled all the guns, you know, anti-gun, anti-this. And this was a couple of years ago. So he does this interview, and I guess that was his mom sitting next to him in the uh, in the interview uh, that CNN was doing. And so what does he do? Uh, just the other day, he shows up at a uh, candidate's office. The guy's running for mayor. He happens to be a Democratic liberal. And this guy's Black Lives Matter, so you'd think they would be simpatico. But he shows up at the this guy's office uh mayor greenberg running for election and the staff was having a meeting but they came out to greet him along with the mayor and the guy doesn't say anything he pulls out a gun now he's anti-gun he's anti-second amendment but he pulls out i believe it was a nine millimeter and fired seven rounds at the mayor it didn't kill him Mm. He, he grazed him in 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 the sweater or whatever yeah, thankfully, he was okay. But here you've got the progressives eating their own. You would think that if he was something like that, you, you'd go after a conservative, a Republican, but he goes after one of their own. And how much I'm willing to bet that that mayor probably knelt with Black Lives Matter, too. Hmm. Big, big good yeah. question that, that should be answered. So they don't even realize they're stirring up trouble for themselves. And we just sit back and say, all right, you know, uh, what is it, Darwin's theory of evolution? Only the fittest survive. And, you know, just keep on going, eating yourselves. And the rest of us, we we'll just stand here back, and when you're done, we take over. I don't know. It seems like a good idea to me. <laughs> hmm. Right? Yeah. keep on eating your own. I mean, there's so many this, things to talk about.
4: This but has here. to come to uh, this, this yeah. tyr- tyrannical yeah. uh yeah. Oh, well, not only
0: you know. that, not only that, a George Soros DA <clears throat> is in the city. So the guy, just days after attempting to assassinate this candidate, this mayor, uh, he gets released on bail. Wait, 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 he just attempted murder, an assassination of a, a politician. I, I think that deserves something more than you know bail. I mean, don't you think he should remain locked up until his trial? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Bail? yeah but then but you oh know. wait a minute no we had two police officers just recently killed in new york city detective moore and detective rivera and that perpetrator is already back out on the streets gee you killed two cops and you're back out on the streets this is a revolving door justice however you can't legally own a gun how dare you you nazi you bigot you racist uh uh-uh, uh no 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 you you you're one of these uh, right wing kooks you know you're a you're a domestic terrorist so what Oregon is doing uh, they have a bill known as the Oregon Freedom Pilot Program HB 4079 that would add a three percent tax on what it deems a luxury item and then hand out that money that they taxed out to the low income. So you can buy that really, really nice Beamer or whatever it is. Um, The money would be pooled and then given in $750 monthly increments to those who qualify. Gee, isn't this another form of welfare? So, Hmm. all right, specifically targeting low-income pregnant women and adults who have aged out of the force program. So they will target items including airplanes, expensive watercrafts, high-end cars, and jewelry. But they will also add that tax to every firearm. Wow. Wow, Whoa. and there's no threshold. See, now for jewelry, the threshold would be $20,000, um, 15000 for snowmobiles. But no threshold is in the bill for firearms. So you can buy that 150 little cute pistol. That probably fires only two rounds, uh, or you can buy that $2,000 rifle. It doesn't matter. You're still going to get taxed. Thank you, Oregon, for your progressivism.
4: As far as <clears throat> New York is concerned, <clears throat> excuse me. I'm hoping that uh, Andrew Giuliani can get into office, even if he has to run against uh, Andrew Cuomo. You know, I would still like to see New York go red again, California. I don't know. we probably still another two elections away from turning that red. Well, we can keep the pressure
0: all the, the Republicans conservatives are moving out of New York and California. The only thing you have left are liberal progressives <laughs> or the ones that just can't afford to leave now we have that new mayor, ah. Did you see the speech he gave? Yeah, in in New York City, Uh, he gave a speech uh, because he's looking at at the crowd of the press who are interviewing him, and he pulls the race card and he goes, "How many people look like me out there to interview?" Obviously, there probably were none. They never, the camera never panned the the crowd of reporters, so you you can't answer that honestly. But he, he made you assume that there was no one that looked like him in the, in the, in the audience. And he goes, we're only doing this because I'm a black mayor. As if he was the first black mayor ever elected to the city of New York. Uh, excuse me, did Dink- we just gloss over the terms, the two terms of David Dinkins in New York City?
3: Okay, totally Dinkins.
0: Uh, w- yeah, even though Dinkins was a progressive, he still had far more class than this guy has. I may not have agreed with all of his policies, but he still was a better mayor than this guy is proving to be. You know, I'm sorry. And the, the people that voted for you, I guarantee mostly were m- minorities. I mean, you had a police union back you. And you you pulled the race card. But this is what this guy has been his entire career. Because when I talked to people that knew him, they said he was known as, as political You become a New York City police officer, and then you run for the state house. So now you're a police officer, or are you a state congressman? But it was all about the politics, how he could use whatever he was doing as a stepping stone. And when he was asked why he went to New York City police, and it was a rather bigoted answer. He wanted to police the white side of the police department. Now, excuse mm-hmm. me, there is something called bigotry, and it doesn't matter what your skin is. You can be a bigot, whether you're black, Asian, white, you'll be a bigot. It's what's in your yeah. heart.
4: Evil resides in, inside of every, everyone. You know, race. Mm-hmm. So what are they going to do, ignore the black evilness, the, the black bigotry? <laughs> uh, I don't know. If that's well, here's, not important an- enough.
0: Now, here's another attack on our guns.
4: Oh, we State all of
0: Me- Mexico is suing America for gun violence, and 13 of our states have joined in the lawsuit. All right. Now, uh, the Mexican government is suing several prominent gun manufacturers, alleging they caused massive damage by actively facilitating the unlawful trafficking of their guns to drug cartels and other criminals in Mexico. Um, I'm sorry. Uh, What part of illegal crossing of the border uh, do you fail to understand? And of course, if you're a criminal, you're not going to try to obtain a weapon legally that can be traced back to you. Uh,
4: No way. Didn't
0: we have Fast and Furious? But whatever happened to the prosecutions in Fast and Furious? I didn't hear of any. The other people that got prosecuted were the gun owners that were conned by the ATF to assist them in the investigation. They're the only ones that ended up being penalized and some of them jailed because they helped the ATF in doing their investigation. So in their allowing them to walk these guns over... I mean they were acting as agents of the government So can you say they committed a crime Well the federal government seemed to have said they did And yet the federal government Facilitated the walking of these guns Through fast and furious across the border But You go after the gun manufacturer Instead of The administration that allowed fast and furious and never followed through on the proper prosecutions that is not allowing the border to be closed. So you got free flow and traffic in both directions. So you got cartel members coming, of course, these coyotes. Ah, let's pick up a couple of firearms and bring it back, get the next batch of people, come back, bring the fence and all the human trafficking, come back and get some more firearms, go back on over. What? I mean, this makes absolutely no sense. But you have 13 states that have turned their backs on America and are suing – let me see if I can find – oh, here we go. Uh, The U.S. states in favor are Connecticut, Delaware, District of Columbia, Hawaii, Illinois, Maryland, Michigan, New Jersey, New Mexico, and Oregon. I'm surprised New York is not in there. But they say District of Columbia is not a state. (laughs) <laughs> These are all what? They're all liberal. Yep, yep. But District of Columbia is not a state, so this article nope. is erroneous in listing them as a state. A state. yeah. And uh, uh, <laughs> a, brief filed in, in, a brief filed in uh, federal court in Massachusetts, uh, other Democratic attorney generals are also, in this brief filing, Uh, Include California, Massachusetts, Minnesota, and New York. Argued against the defendant's motion to dismiss the case, saying a federal law providing legal protection to gun manufacturers does not apply in this case. Wow. Mm. So they're going after Smith & Wesson, Clark, Barrett, uh, Beretta, Colt, and others. If they can't find a way to take our guns one way, they will find a way to take our guns another way.
4: But, you know, that would be the first thing they reach for if their lives are threatened, their weapons. Mm. Oh, yeah. Or they have oh, yeah. bodyguards oh, no. with weapons.
0: I was just going to say that. Uh, yeah, I was just going to say that. But, you know, sometimes sometimes a government does get something correct. So you know me. I'm not always going to completely criticize. But if someone does something correct, i got to hand it to them. A task force. um, its sights on California, and uh, because of the far leftist policies, uh, the state had been overrun with crime. Uh, so believe it or not, now where the heck did this task force, uh, I think this might have been the Department of Justice, it was called Operation Reclaim, uh, it's, oh, it. it the operation included more than 80 federal, state, and local enforcement agencies and task force across California. So this was a California initiative that they did. And at this point, when they swept across, the they were looking for human trafficking. They arrested 400 people in a sweep. And when they arrested these 400 people, um, this, was on, this operation went between February 6th and the 12th. Operation Reclaim and Rebuild recovered 65 adults and seven minors who were victims of human trafficking. Overall, 413 people were arrested, 182 men arrested for solicitation, 30 arrested for suspected trafficking and exploitation. So this operation has been going on each year for the last seven years. So there is one thing California is doing right. They're f- trying to fight human trafficking. We need more states to do things like this. More states. All right. What else do we have, Curtis?
4: Well, I would say that on my end, I have a lot of candidates that are are coming out of the military. Um, I think that's a good thing because um, I think you you serve better once you served in uniform, whether it's uh, military law enforcement, when you run for Congress, I mean, you know what it is to, to, you know, really defend, um, protect and preserve and uphold, um, those in uniforms take an oath. I mean, those in suits take an oath too, but they don't seem to really, you know, think much of their oath sometimes, you know, they, I think take it for granted, like the aocs and and even up to the the level of president you know or, or people that want to you know fundamentally change the united states that that wasn't in their oath that they took you know I will take an oath to um, i swear to change fundamentally change the united States so no. that's another thing I wish we can can resolve you know get these people to to um, be true to the oath that they take and if they break their you know, get them out of office.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, There are a large number of military combat experience veterans running. And here in my District 1, uh, our primary is June. I think June 6th. I'm not sure. I have to double-check that date. And Nancy Mays currently is my congresswoman, who ends up being a, a bit of a disappointment here. Uh, she was critical of the uh, uh, January 6th. Uh, I'm going to call it a riot that happened, a protest-slash-riot, calling it an insurrection. Um, She had been critical uh, in many other ways, and uh, she had a lot of support from our county here. But we've got, I believe, five or six people running against her. Three of them I know are combat veterans. Two of them are women. One was a combat pilot. So we will be having a candidate forum here in the county, uh, and I do believe we're going to see someone uh, replacing Nancy Mace. Uh, I'm not sure if it will be one of the combat veterans because, oh, that's right, there's the sixth person that threw her hat in her ring. She previously mm-hmm. ran for the seat and came very close to taking it away from Nancy, very close, uh, very strong businesswoman, uh, local leader. Uh, I like her. Uh, but we'll see, and she's got very good name rec- recognition, and I think Trump is endorsing her also. Her name is Katie Arrington, and uh, she's a pleasure to talk with. You know, I've had her at my tea party um, and uh, had her here on the show, so I'm trying to see if I can get her back here on the show. Uh, we had uh, Lindsay uh, Piper-Lomas on before, and I want to get Ingrid Centurium, she's the other combat veteran, and then see if I can get Katie Arrington on. So... We're working on getting these names out there to see if we can get good, solid Republicans and conservatives back yeah. into Congress.
4: We got to get so somebody to we'll- replace Graham. Oh,
0: Lindsay. yeah, he's back to he's he's back to his rhino ways again. I, I mean, you you say his name and there's a collective groan that goes across the state, but we can't unseat him, and the only reason why we can't unseat him. Is because we have open primaries.
4: Open primaries.
0: People can cross cross the aisle, and a Democrat can vote in a Republican primary. And they keep on Mm -hmm. voting for him in the primary. I mean, we're working on trying to close it, but it takes a constitutional state amendment. So we've got to change our constitution here in the state. There's a bunch of us trying to work on it to close the primary. We took step one this past election and we voted to have – and this was – you—not you I think it was like 74 percent voted to have your party designation voluntarily put on your voter ID. So you can choose on your voter ID to say if you're an independent, uh, Green Party, Republican, Democrat, communist, whatever you are. It would make it a little bit easier for us to start to close the primary and say, hey, listen, wait a minute. XYZ number of people came, showed me their voter ID so they can vote in the primary, and we had 20 that showed up that were Democrat and only 10 that were Republican. Now, this is a Republican primary. They're asking for a Republican ballot, not a Democratic ballot. So this is the reason why we need to close our primary. If we can start doing that. I think we can. We are well on our way to getting that constitutional amendment here in the well, state. Thank God it, we it,
4: have closed here in Florida because we don't want the other side picking our leaders, no more than they want us picking their leaders.
0: Exactly, exactly, exactly. Uh, listen, some of you guys are probably starting to get these COVID tests from the federal government in the uh, in the mail. Uh, I don't know how many of you have gone out to like a hospital or a clinic or whatever to have the COVID swabs done, but the CDC uh, said that 10% chance uh, of having genomic sequencing of the COVID-19 PCR nasal swab. So they're saying that when you get that nasal swab, you never signed something saying that your swab only tested for COVID, but they're going to use it for a form of DNA sequencing. Now, by law, if they go to sequence your DNA, your DNA, you need to sign a release form. Well, these swabs have no release form, and the reason being is they're claiming they're only swabbing the DNA of the COVID virus to determine its path and sequencing. However, that swab still contains your DNA, and there's nothing to say that that swab can be used again without your permission for your DNA sequencing. Now, let's tie this in. These tests are coming from China. China has been hacking into a lot of these DNA labs, plus, they bought up um, 123 Registry, and uh, what's the other one? They've been buying up some of these DNA things, those kits that you and I would buy to say, oh, well, my family came from this country, and I've got this so much in me, and I can trace my ancestors all the way back there. And Oh, i got family in New Jersey. So when you do these ancestry things, China now has access to your DNA. And China is making a whole huge database of American DNA. And you'll wonder why they released the COVID virus. That's not an accidental release from the lab. That was a deliberate release. So that way, they can go and get the DNA sequencing of individuals in whatever country they're looking to control. And oh boy, would they love to have control over these United States. And they're collecting our DNA. Guys, you've got to be super careful. So if you do a home kit, do it at home and destroy whatever it is. I'm not recommending you go have someone else do your your COVID test. And I'm not too sure about shoving a swab from China up my nose at this point. So if you do buy a COVID (laughs) test, make sure it's a made in America COVID test. I think Bionex is an excellent one. It comes in a blue box. Uh, the one that's coming from China is a white box with orange, uh, whatever on it, uh, orange pattern on it. And uh, yeah, so guys, when you, if you ordered from the federal government these DNA tests, I mean the uh, the COVID tests, just be aware. They just what you just got the government to buy something from China. And oh, by the way. I'm seeing a lot of people walking around with these KN95 masks. Um, KN95 K, masks. Yes. KN, not the N95. N95 is made here in the United States and are fairly effective. No mask is effective. But the KN is manufactured in China and is a highly defective mask. And my hospital sent out an email which went into my late husband's email account. I, I haven't closed that out yet because my sister-in-law is sometimes right to me in it. And my uh, hospital is sending me something that sent it, came straight off of Fauci's desk, telling you how to fit these masks to your face. First off, it's impossible for you to fit the masks to yourself. You need someone to fit it for you. And these KN95 masks, no way can you fit them to your face. They were never meant to be fit to your face. They are defective masks. And China knows they deliberately manufactured defective masks. And what is the hottest selling mask? The KN95 mask. I see health workers when I go to physical therapy or my mom's physical therapist or nurse comes here. And I would say nine out of ten of them have these stupid KN95 masks on. And who did our government, Nancy Pelosi, buy masks from? China. Which ones did she buy and hand out to fellow members of Congress? The KN95 masks. Now, further on in, in the email, they're saying, well, um, if you can't get the N95 mask or the KN95 mask, wear a cloth mask. Cloth masks are useless. They do nothing. They do absolutely nothing nope. for you. Your spittle goes straight through that, and whoever sneezes and spittles on you goes straight back into your mask. They are so porous. So then they said, wear two of them. Wear two masks. Gee, higher CO2 levels in my bloodstream, and whatever germs I am attempting to exhale from my body are being inhaled. So it looks like we do have our next victim here on the line a fellow, or I should say I'm a former New Yorker, but a fellow New Yorker who has the cojones, I have to say thank you, sirs, about time did this to run against Senator Chuck Schumer. I want to welcome to the show the host on Newsmax, Joe Pinion. Good afternoon, Joe. How are you today?
1: Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Good to be with you. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Uh, it is my pleasure, and I... When Chuck Schumer ran for um, Congress, uh, I was a cop in Brooklyn, and one of the areas I covered was Williamsburg. And I would talk to the Hasidim, and i say, why are you voting for this guy? I mean, you see all the things that he stands for. Ah, he's a, he's a good Jewish boy. I'm like, that's not a reason to vote for him. So I had a Yiddish term I would use instead of Chuck. And I'm sure you know what I'm talking about, which is my favorite way. When I talk to my mom about uh, Senator Schumer, and she just smiles and laughs. But you're running for uh, against him because you're seeing certain things happening in the state of New York uh, that I saw happening when Hillary Clinton was elected uh, senator. So – Tell us why you, what you saw and what you think you, you want to accomplish. Well, look, I think for me,
1: as I tell everyone, running for U.S. Senate in 2022, or any year for that matter, wasn't truly on my life's blueprint. But uh, when you look at uh, the pain that New Yorkers have been enduring uh, over the past 24 years, uh, that Chuck Schumer has been representing our interest in D.C. and the United States Senate, when you look at the pain that has been inflicted on the American people in just one short year uh, of the presidency of uh, Joe Biden, uh, you start to realize that, as I told my mother uh, through her tears, uh, there's some things in life worse than not having your own television show. It's called not having the country. Uh, And I think that Mm -hmm. we are truly on the precipice of having a republic that is no longer recognizable um, if it is left to be a republic at all. Uh, So I have seniors dealing with runaway inflation that has wiped out the largest increase of Social Security in a generation uh, because of this uh, printing of money that has debased the value of the American dollar, $6 trillion we printed to deal with a virus of foreign origin for which we have yet to hold the nation of origin accountable. Uh, That doesn't make any sense. Uh, It's the American people still bearing the brunt of that to this day. Uh, When you look at $2 trillion of failed nation building that fell apart in less than 11 days over in the sands of Afghanistan, 13 heroes uh, torn asunder, uh, thousands of Americans left behind. The searing image left for the people of Afghanistan who placed their trust uh, in the stars and stripes uh, of this nation, people falling to their death from 20,000 feet in the air from a plane that has United States Army on the side of it. Uh, That is the legacy that we have in Afghanistan. That is what that flag now represents to so many people in the region who depended on us to keep our word uh, for the word of this nation to still remain something. Uh, So overseas, here at home, uh, we have a lack of leadership. It has damaged our credibility on the global stage that has imperiled the outcomes of the people here at home and whether we're talking about the fact that reading rates for our children are in the toilets whether we're talking about the fact that I've got one out of three black children that call New York State home living in poverty uh, New York State over indexing for poverty across the spectrum people of all colors and all creeds 30% in, in Binghamton two out of five children of all colors and all creeds in Syracuse New York living in poverty it is unacceptable uh, there's a reason New York State leads the nation in outward migration. One million people have left this state in the last 10 years, and it isn't because Chuck Schumer has been representing our interests down in D.C.
0: Well, you know, I actually grew up out in Suffolk County, and Brentwood was our home for quite a while. I don't recognize Brentwood because the poorest border – has been left so open, we've allowed criminal cartels and gangs to come across with human trafficking, the fentanyl, the drugs, the the guns, and everything else. MS-13 has taken over the town that I grew up in, that I would walk from my house with my girlfriend to the nearest field, we'd be picking blueberries and strawberries. But you you don't dare let your kids out the door because of MS-13. Uh, the crime that has been allowed to seep into this country, the crime that has been allowed to continue in this country, we can trace directly back to the feet of progressives like Chuck Schumer, can we not?
1: Absolutely. I think the hard truth that no one wants to acknowledge uh, is that decisions have consequences, and the poor decisions that have been made by this administration, that have been endorsed, rubber-stamped, or ignored, Uh, by the senior senator from New York, Chuck Schumer, has brought death to the doorsteps of suburban and urban mothers alike. Uh, We are having a crisis here at home where the leading cause of death for people aged 18 to 45 is fentanyl. The leading cause of the fentanyl overdoses are not people who woke up one morning and say, I want to have fentanyl, but people who are the unsuspecting victims of counterfeit prescription drugs that are laced with fentanyl. And so because of this open sesame policy on the southern border, we have Chinese cartels that have teamed up with Mexican cartels, uh, flooded our streets with enough fentanyl to kill every man, woman, and child that calls this nation home. And while I have caucus members for Chuck Schumer uh, calling the southern border the new Ellis Island, I know it was not happening in the real Ellis Island. Uh, People actually meaning to do harm to the people that call this nation home. Uh, So if you walk into a bar and you get a glass of wine, uh, and the wine is actually not wine, but it is hemlock, and it kills you, uh, then that is murder. Uh, And we have thousands of unindicted co-conspirators for the murder that has come to this nation in the form of drugs that have been facilitated by an open border policy that is doing more harm than good. And so I think at the end of the day, whether you're talking about the overdoses, whether you're talking about the facts that because of this defund police movement, we saw 2021 become the deadliest year to wear a badge in the history of this nation with a 125% increase in ambush attacks on law enforcement, whether you're talking about the fact that in New York City, shootings are up 90%, homicide is up 30%, 12 U.S. cities hit all-time highs for homicides, all while the senior senator for our state, the U.S. Majority lead, Senate Majority Leader for the nation, Uh, kneeling in the Capitol Rotunda in African Kente Club, calling the outcome of his defund the police movement justice. Uh, That's not justice. It's just flat out wrong. And we want to make sure that this election is not about left versus right, but right versus wrong. And the 19 million people holding on here in New York State know that they have a chance to have a choice, and that choice is freedom. Absolutely, hallelujah.
0: Now, I've I've done too many... Uh, police funerals I mean, I ended up with a bloody nose When my friend Eddie Burns Was, was assassinated And he was in my oh. sister academy yeah. class And that was because A drug dealer was able to make a phone call From prison and to order the hit So this was happening back in the 80's This was happening long before that But it's only become acerbated with this open border And it, it drives me crazy Now we just recently Laid to rest Detective Moore And Detective Rivera But the assassin is already out on the street. We've got these George Soros propped up DAs. What can you do as a senator to either investigate how he's backing these people up? Is it legal the way he's doing it? And how do we turn around and counter and bring law and order back to the courts as well as funding the police?
1: Well, look, at the end of the day, uh, the beauty of America is that we have freedom of speech. Money, in many ways, uh, is an extension of that speech. It's the bullhorn that amplifies uh, the speech. But the problem here is not the speech. Uh, the problem is that we have had a permissiveness uh, with lawlessness. And now that lawlessness is being condoned by the people we have entrusted and, in fact, elected, hold our laws, and uphold the Constitution. We have a district attorney in Manhattan that is effectively flaunting the law, is directing people who have also taken an oath to uphold our Constitution to not enforce the law they took an oath to uphold. Uh, that is not a matter of opinion. Those are just the facts. Uh, so at the end of the day, if we have a governor that will not act, if we have governors all across this country that will not act, while we have district attorneys all across this country taking the law into their own hands, then we certainly must have a federal government that comes in and says, how is it not a violation of the civil rights of the Asian woman stubbed in front of a subway train uh, when you have a district attorney that refuses to hold uh, those, Asian, th- those Asian perpetrators accountable, right? If you understand that there is a protected class that is under assault, uh, due to the lack of enforcement, then at what point do we start talking about the culpability for the people who are allowing the lawless uh, to run uh, roughshod uh, off over our laws and all across our streets? So I think that, again, the federal government is not always the best vehicle, but the notion that we can do nothing is a fantasy. There's plenty that can be done at the federal level, uh, to nudge, uh, the local municipalities in the direction of law and order, in the direction of justice for all people. And that starts with the power of the federal purse, which is why, by the way, what allowed the federal government to start printing money we didn't have to take a state like New York, which is on the brink of bankruptcy and put them back in the black for them to start wasting money all over again like it was 1999 so i think for us uh look there's plenty that can be done uh, first and foremost making sure that government is held to the same standard as the private sector uh we can start by doing that with law enforcement with, with these district attorneys and that will go a long way to ensuring that police officers no longer have to attend funerals that widows no longer have to be handed a flag and that children no longer have to grow up without the heroes. Uh, they wanted to see them live their fullest life.
0: You know, I'll, I wish you were my senator at the time. I lived there. <laughs> but
1: unfortunately, I well, we're, we're doing I, I our swore, best to make it so now.
0: <laughs> I, I swore because when um, – when she was running for office, I turned around to people, and I said, if she gets elected before she's sworn in, we're out of here. We moved from Northport to South Carolina here, and I, I haven't looked back.
3: <laughs> so, <laughs> but
0: you know, we the part
1: is that you know, there, there's so many people uh, who tell that same story. I mean, look, I was at a, a law enforcement dinner. There, there are members of the New York City Police Department, members of the New York uh, City Fire Department uh, from my hometown in Yonkers. Uh, who work for the city, have lived in the city, grew up in our cities and our towns, and have moved their families to North Carolina, uh, even while they still work here, because the quality of life is better, uh, because they know the quality of the safety that can be provided is more secure. Uh, So we just have to know for a fact uh, that if we have a campaign uh, that is predicated on your political affiliation, we will lose. But this campaign is not about saying everyone must become a Republican. It's about simply saying that we have a politician in power that is not empowering the people, but holding on to power for power itself. Uh, And so if you're sitting here in New York, people like yourself, the question has to be asked, do you feel as if you're better off today than you were 24 years ago when Chuck Schumer put his hand in the Bible and became a U.S. senator? And I think most people know the answer is no. Uh, I reminded people today, the man has been in D.C. for 42 years. He got in Congress in 1980. I wasn't even born yet. And you can almost draw a direct line from the wage inequality that has spiked to when he put his hand on the Bible in 1980, the poverty that has remained stagnant in this state. Uh, you can draw a direct line from when he put his hand on the Bible. So in many ways, even the things that got better when he got there have gotten worse again. And the Democrats' solution is to give a man who's been in D.C. for 42 years six more years of power. I think that that doesn't make any sense. And if we're going to have a world that works for we the people again, then we have to make sure that in this election we go to every nook and every cranny. Uh, we knock on every door possible. And we let people know they have a chance to have a choice for the first time in 24 years.
0: Well, Joe, I wish we had more time with you, because I've got my next guest up in the bullpen here. You've got to come back, and you know what I'm going to try to do? I'm going to get you back and get Andrew Giuliani back at the same time. That would be a be great
1: between the two <laughs> of you. It's a blast from the past.
0: And people can go to joepinion.com
1: to support our campaign and learn more about our efforts, because, again, uh, what Chuck Schumer does uh, in New York Uh, And in D.C., uh, it impacts every single person that calls this nation home.
0: Well, it's funny because I I reminded him of when I yelled at him uh, just before a Columbus Day parade. He was a little kid, and his dad was running for mayor at the time. So, you know, it's like his antics as a kid. (laughs) But it would be a blast to have you back on. We need more time with you. So I'm going to get a hold of your guys, and your guys will talk to me, and we'll see what we can work out, okay? Absolutely.
1: God bless. Talk soon.
0: God bless. Joe Pinion, check him out, joepinion.com, also over on Newsmax on Saturdays. It's the uh, Saturday Advantage. We have our, our good friend, sweetheart of the show, Mark Tapscott, from the Epic Times or Epoch Times and from Hill State. Good afternoon, Mark. How are you today?
5: Hey, Ann. How are you?
0: Ah, you're traveling somewhere. You still love me. Yay. <laughs> I,
5: I do love you. Of course I do. I'm actually heading to an Ace
0: Hardware with my wife and our two dogs. Oh, okay. All right. Well, listen, we had um, earlier on the show, we had Congressman Nels on, and we were discussing uh, his invasion of his office and his investigation into, you know, the January 6th and his shadow investigation. But you guys write about this also in the e Times. Um, He's calling for an open hearing. So where do what are you hearing on this?
5: Yeah. Well I don't think he's but oh, you know you're
0: I'll, break
5: up. he do you still hear me?
0: Yeah, you were starting to break up a little bit.
5: Okay. Let me let me um let me pull up here just a little bit where you can hear me, I'm sorry about that. Uh we're actually heading out of town, uh, for the weekend. But anyway, Troy, Congressman Neal, the former sheriff, so he knows he knows how these things go, and when the Capitol Police said he wasn't taking it, he wasn't putting up with it, and um, I have a feeling that he he may have Democratic leadership worried because he's no dummy. And
0: he was what they did, and he's not going to let go of it. No, he's not. Uh, like I said, you really want to piss someone off? You don't do that to a cop. <laughs> so we we know what where to which stone to turn over, or where to look, and he's one that definitely yeah. knows where to look. And I, I think there's something will happen. It may not happen until the next session. Uh, When we take back the House and take back the Senate, but something will happen, I do believe. You know, you've got so many fantastic articles over in the Epic Times and something that is hitting everyone at home really hard. Every time I drive past a gas station, my blood starts to boil. But the Biden policies, you wrote, added $1,000 more to the typical household in just last year. Now, I'm remembering uh, the day before the election. Um, I paid for gas, and I, it was at a dollar sixty nine. I drove past yeah. the gas station, and it's three forty nine. That's oh, wow. a huge jump. That is a yeah. huge jump.
5: And, and they're talking, they're talking now, Ann, about seven dollars a gallon.
0: Yeah, you know, it's that? crazy. Yes, I can. But how does that person that's on low income? Uh, with a minimum uh, wage job, an entry wage like at McDonald's or Burger King or something like that, how do they get from their home to work if they can't even afford the gas to put in their car? Because the gas can cost more than they're earning. (laughs) Yeah.
5: And and think about a person on a uh, senior citizen who lives on a Social Security check. Their gas going from $3.50 a gallon to $7 a gallon really is going to hurt them. And that particular study that I reported was done by the Heartland Institute, which is a uh, really great think tank based in Chicago. They have some really smart people there. And their analysis is it's $1,000 now for the typical household, U.S. household, and and it's going to keep going higher. So save your money because yep. you're going to need it at
0: the gas station. Well, it's going to uh, remind people of the old Jack Benny uh, commercials, I'll take a gallon, because that's exactly what's going to have to happen. When they go to get gas in the yep. car, they'll only take one gallon because that's as far yep. as they can go. And if it's not within the radius of that car's range, they won't, they won't be able to get to the doctors, to the grocery store, to yep. any appointment. Uh, so what do you do, yep. rely on a taxi? And now can you afford to pay that taxi fare? I mean, for my house... Can, they, can, to the, go taxi, with,
5: can the taxi afford to take you, you know?
0: Yeah. So now people say, all right, fine, You're, it's $1,000 for gas. No. Roll that into all of the other costs that go with it, the transportation of goods and services into your community, the, trans, the cost of those goods and services on the shelves then to get them over to you. So it it rolls into everything. So where a loaf of bread before Trump lost the election was 99 cents in the grocery store, I walk in there, it's $3.49. And that's a huge jump. Now, how does... Yeah. So now you've got, like you said, a senior citizen or a low-income person on a fixed income. Now, what do you do? You buy that loaf of bread... Or do you buy the medicine your child needs or the shoes they need to go to school? And I was reading yep. someone put an editorial in our local paper. She goes, I can afford the loaf of bread, but I can't afford to put whatever goes on the bread or with the bread. Yeah. And that's sad. Yeah. And that's our, that's our economy now.
5: And, you know, Anne, the, the thing that is really frustrating about all that is it is absolutely unnecessary The reason gas prices are going up is because the Biden administration is shutting down the the U.S. energy industry, which the day Biden took the oath of office, we were actually exporting energy because it has more uh, energy to, to drill and to produce than any other country on Earth. And he comes in and he shuts it down, starts shutting it down, making it much more difficult. Uh, and pushing everybody to ele- to go to electric uh, vehicles, for example. And the consequence is you are absolutely going to have to pay a lot more to do any kind of transportation.
0: And you that is not you-
5: necessary.
0: Now, and people can't afford new cars, so they're going for the used cars. Now, costs of used cars have doubled. Now, I've yep. got a used car you know, that my husband used, and I'm looking to get rid of it. And I know that if I were to go to a dealership for a trade-in, he would give me twice as much as what I'm asking for. But I know a local church needs a, uh, a vehicle to transport their members in. So I said, listen, you know, I, this is what I'm asking. I know I can get twice as much, but I think because you're a small church, I think you guys can raise the money for this because I need to pay this, this thing off. You know, so they're thinking that I'm. I'm not being greedy, but I know people out there need help. But there's a lot of people making a lot of money off of this too because they see the need and they're exploiting it because they know, hey, pick up used cars cheap and then sell them twice as much. So it it tumbles down into everyone's pocket, and that's uh, that's a major problem. So you know,
5: you know, I I drive I drive a. Uh, four-year-old pickup, a Honda Ridgeline, and about a a year ago, just about a year ago, I started getting letters from the dealer that I bought it from making me these offers that I thought, you know, that's that's too good to be true, but they kept getting better and better, and it reflected exactly what you were just talking about, the uh, the amazing doubling of prices for used vehicles. And uh, the dealers knew that it was coming, and they they moved very quickly to take advantage of it. And um, you know, I look back on it now, and maybe I should have gone ahead and traded in,
0: <laughs> but I didn't. Well,
5: so you know, here we are.
0: It, it might be worth even more at this point too. You never know. It so might be. you know, yeah, it might be. It, it might be. <laughs> but uh, you know. It, there is so much this administration is doing. Sometimes you just shake your head and wondering, you know, uh, what are they thinking? They recently appointed yeah. this one individual, yeah. Sam, Sam Britton, in charge of our nuclear waste. And he is more concerned about expressing himself sexually and his gender and the fact that he can prance in front of Congress in stilettos than worrying about our nuclear waste. And this is what our administration is doing. We've got Mayor Buttigieg who's supposed to be in charge of transportation, but he's more uh, asserting himself that I'm a gay and and – wait, wait, wait. Do your job. I don't care what your sexual orientation is. Just do your job. Get the goods and services from point A to point B. Get them on the grocery shelf, and whatever you do behind closed doors, I don't care. I don't want to know. Just do your job. But that's not what this administration's about. It's about the social engineering message.
5: Social engineering, that's what it's all about. And I tell you, um, I, I have to say, and there have been several appointments like that that uh, the Biden folks have done, and I look at them and I think to myself, get, get I scratch myself. Am I am I dreaming this, or is this really happening? Surely it's not really happening. But the Senate confirmed the guy that you're talking about. So here we go.
0: Yeah, here we go. Did you, now? We, did, we we well, we've got this trucker uh, convoy coming over to D.C. that should hit here in time for the State of the Union. And there are calls in Congress and the Senate to start opening up the Capitol. So uh, Capitol is coming up with this thing about um, congressional visitor tracking. All right. Now, yes. they wanted to pass legislation, federal voting legislation, that would not require an official ID. Yet, right. to enter the Capitol, you will need to present an official photo ID and submit to digital background yep. checks. Okay. Yep. Now, wait a minute, wait wait. So you want IDs or you don't want IDs? What is it?
5: thing is just, I mean, we all have seen this for a long time. You have to have a photo ID to cash a check in this country. Uh, at least for those few people that still do checks. Um, but you aren't required to show a photo ID to make sure that it's clear that you're actually who you say you are. Um, it's, it's really ridiculous, and, and that tracking system that you're talking about, I, I've been reporting on that for some time now, and it's really insidious because what they are, they are trying to do is they want to have absolute control over who can come on to the capital complex, and then they want to be able to know where they're going, who they're talking to, how long they were there, so forth. Um, It's the kind of thing that you expect, you know, you go into a government building in Russia or China or North Korea, you expect that they're tracking you and they know exactly who you are, what you're there for, and so forth. That's not America, but that's exactly what the Democratic majority in Congress is trying to do uh, to our U.S. capital. Um, it, It just amazes me that it's actually being pursued.
0: Now and then it it limits access, as you said, to the Capitol, but that's in direct con- contradiction of our constitution, isn't it? Aren't we supposed to have free well, access to our representatives?
5: It it is absolutely an interference with the with the representative process, um, and and of course the Democrats will argue that well, this is just going to be an inconvenience. It's not going to keep anybody from talking to their representative. But the reality is, um, and and I just reported yesterday, uh, um, a guy who is an executive with a liberal nonprofit who is actually quite an expert on Congress and the management of Congress, and he's telling them, if you do this, this is going to be a logistical nightmare, quote, unquote. So it will interfere with the representative process, and democracy in America will be harmed as a result. And it's and it's all the 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 justification for all of this that the Democrats are putting forth is January 6th and this supposed threat that they see um, that it could happen again. So they have to control who can come to the Capitol. It's it's really it's it's
0: pernicious well you know it's ahead of the convoy coming across it's ahead of the state of the union and it's another excuse to keep those barriers up around the Capitol and keep visitors out so that way they can control the governmental processes going on behind closed doors and unless you're watching uh on c-span or something like that or if you're your representative or, or senator's talking to you either through newsletters or directly, you have no idea what is going on behind closed doors unless someone like you in the Epoch Times reports it. But even then they would have the ability to limit your access.
5: Yeah. And see, that's part of the point of it. Um, if you can control who can report on what's happening in Congress, then that gives you tremendous leverage over and how it gets reported. Um, and I, I have no doubt in my mind that um, uh, given the opportunity, if not the present generation of Democratic leaders, a future generation of Democratic leaders will, will utilize this kind of a system exactly for that purpose, to control the coverage of Congress. And that's, oh, wait a minute. you know, you might as well reveal the First Amendment.
0: Well, wait, wait. Didn't they already do that? Hillary with Russiagate and every single talking-head media person in, in, in lamestream media was, no, oh, Russiagate, Russiagate, Russiagate. Um, they would say uh, there was no, no, no uh, problems with the election. So it was a clean and fair election. And, oh, yeah, the January 6th incident was a full-blown insurrection, and everyone should be locked right. and keys thrown away. But now, with the Durham report coming out, Uh, With what Hans von Spakovsky is doing over the Heritage Foundation, uh, with revealing the discrepancies in the elections, with what Congressman Niels is doing, exposing what happened, the failures of January 6th, the insufficient backup, the fact that the uh, National Guard was never called, the fact that they had the intel weeks ahead of time that something was going down, that they knew what was being targeted. They found maps. They they had all the information about the tunnels that they w- were going to be breached. They knew which groups were going to be doing the instigation, and they did absolutely nothing. But but the media reports the way they want them to report, and if they do this, yeah. they will knock out any conservative voice, any voice even if it's not conservative, but a voice of truth, and they yeah. can't let the truth don't, get out.
5: Don't. Don't forget, Ann, uh, that applies to the New York Times and the Washington Post, but they have declining readerships, and there is a growing conservative media, not just the Epoch Times, which I happen to think is the best, and it's certainly got the biggest audience other than Fox, Uh, but there's also the Daily Caller, there's the Washington Examiner, there's the uh, Washington Free Beacon, there's uh, the Federalist, there's multiple new conservative media outlets that are finding audiences, Daily Wire is another example, Ben Shapiro, uh, finding huge audiences. And it it simply is impossible now to uh, prevent the word getting out sooner or later on a big story. Even the Hunter Biden story that was um, censored by uh, YouTube and Twitter and so forth. that story is still very much in the headlines, and it's far from over in terms of its impact on the political system. So no, you also don't,
0: don't, you also nah. have you also have like a Newsmax and One American News, which is growing by leaps yes. and bounds, and you know, yes. there's so many different outlets. You know, I I poke through all these places, which is where I get my information from, and I don't look at just one outlet. I pull up the story in several different locations, cross-reference, just to make sure I know what the heck I'm talking about, which is why you love me so much, right?
5: (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's what every American should do. We ought to all have multiple news sources, and not just, you know, from a conservative perspective, but from from all perspectives, because you know, none of us in the journalism world have all of the facts. Uh, some of us, notably the Epoch Times, have a lot more of them than others, <laughs> but we don't even have all of them. So you need to have multiple sources, and that's that's a good thing that you do, Well,
0: uh, It takes a lot of time just to do the one show. So as, as you can see, when I get quality people like Joe Pinion on here, you know I'm doing something right. Hey, listen, this, this yeah. one got my uh, – This one got my ire up. I disagreed when the federal employees got unionized. I I completely disagreed with that. Um, But now they want to make these congressional staff unionized. I'm sorry. What happens if you've got a, a Democratic congressional staffer, but the person that now gets elected into the seat is a conservative? How can you trust that staffer if, They're unionized, and you can't remove them from that position.
5: That is one of the biggest questions that every congressman, no matter which party they're in, they're going to have to deal with that question because, you know, sooner or later, just like what's going to happen in November, the Democrats very likely are going to lose their majority. There will be thousands of open jobs on the Hill, on Hill staffs, And the Republicans that come in and take over the majority will be doing the hiring of those. But if every Hill aide is required to be in a union, then that changes everything. And that means whether you're a Democrat or a Republican, there is a very good chance that you're not going to be able to to choose to have the kind of uh, choice over who works for you that you had before the union came in. And that's, that is a big deal, and there are a lot of Democrats, not just Republicans, there are a lot of Democrats that uh, they won't say it in public, but they, they whisper it in the back rooms. Maybe we ought to rethink this. Maybe this is not such a great idea.
0: Well, there you know, there's certain federal regulations that regulate when, where, and how federal employees unionize but they're kind of like getting a little bit in the way of this legislation. So they want them to go back, as I understand it, review the regulations, revise them so they can get this law passed. Am I reading your article correctly?
5: Well, what happened is um, back in 1994, when the Contract of America, the Republican majority, was elected, um, one of the first things that the the new Republican majority did was they passed um, a bill called the Congressional Accountability Act, which was a very good piece of legislation in my view because it applied to Congress a whole bunch of laws like the Americans with Disabilities Act uh, that when Congress passed them, they had exempted themselves from it. Um, Somehow or another, I think it was one of those backroom deals to get some Democrat support for the bill. Uh, they included a provision that that authorized the beginning of the process to allow congressional staff and congressional employees to unionize. The, the Congress in the next year, uh, however, never approved the regulations for that. So it didn't happen. But it's still there as a possibility, and what the Democrats in the House now are doing is they're saying, let's, let's go back, let's update the regulations that were never adopted, let's make sure that they uh, are uh, relevant to the present circumstances, and let's move forward and let the Hill staff unionize. And um, frankly, they've, they've been talking about doing this for several years, They've just kind of all of a sudden snuck up on us and started moving seriously on this. I don't think they're going to succeed because there's just too many potential problems for all members of Congress. But you never know. know,
0: There's like, what, 2.1 million civil servants in the federal government right now. How big would this union swell? And this union has powerful – Influence over legislation and other issues in the swamp, so would this like double the size of it? Just how big are we talking about this union?
5: Well, actually 0.1 million give or take you know a dozen or so on any given day. Um, in the executive branch, what we're talking about here on Capitol Hill is the legislative branch, and there are approximately 20,000 total employees. Uh, if you count all of the aides that are hired by senators and congressmen, uh, either to work on their personal staffs or on committee staffs. But then you've got another uh, multiple thousand who work for, like, the Government Accountability Office, the Congressional Research Service, and the Library of Congress. So there's about 20,000 of them, but they are in extremely influential positions because um, you don't see congressional aides. You don't see the uh, uh, aides, except usually if you, if you watch a hearing on TV, you'll see them sitting along the wall behind the senators or the representatives who are asking questions. But the senators and the representatives have to depend upon those aides for uh, a tremendous amount of research and, uh, frankly, their counsel, their opinion, and their advice, aides have a tremendous influence on how public policy is made in this country. Um, so, if you inject into that process a union that uh, has political influence anyway, because of it will be collecting dues and it will have a political action committee, and it'll be making contributions to favored uh, politicians. Um, you, you've introduced a, a factor into the legislative process that um, the founders had no idea could happen. But here we are.
0: Now, not only that, Senator Sherrod Brown out of Ohio is looking to do a companion bill in the Senate. So it won't be just the House. Yeah. It'll be the Senate also. And that's tremendous well, amount that's, of power.
5: That's if, if both if the majority in both the Senate and the house um, agree to it the office of congressional workplace rights I think it's called in the congressional uh, bureaucracy they would have to come up with the regulations and there's no way they're going to be able to come up with the regulations before the next Congress so it'll be a Republican Congress most likely uh, that makes the decision and my guess is they're not going they're not going to approve it
0: no, they 're not now it, this Durham um investigation is exploding, and i 'm yeah. sure you caught uh, hillary 's uh speech the other night uh what was it last night in front of the convention held in New York, and of course she blames Trump, and you know and i 'm just shaking my head here comes and I was just waiting for it, I look at my mom and I go, "Wait for it, wait for it, and then she springs the right wing conspiracy. <laughs> And we just cracked up, but it's going to heat up, so I'm looking yeah. forward to reading what you write next, uh, Mark. So, uh, you know, God bless you. Thank your wife for being so patient uh, and letting me sit there and do the interview. And you travel safe and enjoy your weekend.
5: And you have a great weekend yourself, and uh, we'll talk next time.
0: Okay, see you soon. Take care. God bless. Bye. All right, check out Mark com. we got our final victim in on the show and she works with the heritage foundation uh she is a producer at the daily signal and she also has her podcast over there want to welcome to the show for the first time uh who am i talking to
2: <laughs> virginia <laughs> allen is- oh god i've been virginia talking allen, to so many I'm people right. yeah, that's when you know it's been a busy day right
0: Oh, it has been. It has been. I mean, starting off with Congressman Nell, uh, then going into Joe Pinion, and then going to Mark Tapscott, now going into you. My head is spinning. (laughs) Plus, my co-host had to step away away because he's got a book signing on the Palm Coast uh, he's doing. Plus, he's giving a little speech, so he had to leave early. So it left me fumbling with all the keys. Well, anyway, (laughs) welcome to the show. And I I loved reading your interviews. I mean, holy cow. You are so good and so in-depth. I've got to tell more and more people to turn on your podcast. Tell people where they can find it and what it's called.
2: Absolutely. Yes. Thank you so much for that. I appreciate that. So um, I I actually co-host two podcasts for The Daily Signal. The Daily Signal is the multimedia news outlet of the Heritage Foundation. We are based in Washington, D.C., and uh, one of the podcasts is called The Daily Signal Podcast, and it's both a news podcast, and then we do interviews with with lawmakers, with authors, with conservative activists, and we have great conversations about what is happening in our nation and and even all over the world that is of interest to conservatives. And then I also co-host a weekly podcast called Problematic Women, and it's a conservative women's podcast that is really meant to talk about, you know, especially for young women, how do we engage on issues and how do we push back? Uh, against the far-left narrative that, you know, to be a woman, you have to be pro-choice and you have to be for all of these very radical policies. And we say, no, as as women, we can be pro-life and, you know, we want to be engaged and on the forefront and leading the way when it comes to strong conservative policies that that build our nation up. So it's a lot of fun to get to co-host these shows for The Daily Signal and speak with so many wonderful individuals who are really, really passionate about furthering the ideas of, of the founders and making sure that we leave our country even stronger for our, our kids and our grandkids.
0: Oh, that's a huge amen to that, because we've got a huge generation that's coming up that's being brainwashed on critical race theory, on Black Lives Matter, on transgenderism, on gender fluidity and the LBGT community and secularism. Oh, heaven forbid... you. If I said that inside a school – I mean, I had a member of my tea party a couple of years ago, had to go to court for a trespassing car, uh, uh, charge, and ended up getting tossed out. And she said – as the judge was telling her it being tossed, she goes, oh, thank God. She got berated by that judge. He goes, you can't say this in this courtroom. Uh, wait a minute. I think the Constitution says you cannot prohibit free speech. Or or prohibit the free expression of your religion. That is part of the First Amendment, isn't it? And, you know, trying mm-hmm. to educate people about these things. And then when you have these kids coming up so brainwashed, how do you reach mm-hmm. out to them?
2: Oh, yes. You know, I, I think we, we have to recognize that children are like sponges. The information that they're being fed in school, that affects them. Deeply, and we have to hold the line in education, we have to be protecting our kids i I recently wrote a piece um, about a, a teacher, a French teacher in Virginia named Peter Vlaming, and The Daily signal has been covering peter blaming's case uh, for for several years since two thousand and eighteen he, and he's a, a wonderful teacher loves teaching, loves kids. But uh, in 2018, after teaching for seven years, teaching French at the high school level, he was fired. And he was fired because he refused to call a biological female a male. He, he had a student who came to him who said, uh, a, a female student who came to him and said, I identify as, as transgender and I want you to refer to me by a new name. Um, and he said, okay, I can use that new name but I can't use male pronouns. He said, you know, that, uh, that just didn't fit right with him. He said, you know, for his face just made him know, I, I can't do that. I can't call a girl a boy. Um, and ultimately, not because of something he said, but because of something that he refused to say, he lost his job. So you're, you're so right. This really comes down to the issues of, of free speech and of freedom of religion And we have to be protecting those rights um, so that our children can enjoy those rights one day.
0: Well, um, that was the article that I had right on top of the deck to talk with you. And I've got tons of outlines, uh, underlines and everything, of course, having read it. (laughs) And I'm sure Tom tells you that I do my research. Because right now, he has not been able to go back to work. No one is hiring him as Mm, an educator. That's right. So he filed a lawsuit for $1 million in damages. And it's looking pretty good, isn't it?
2: Yeah, it was encouraging. So actually, um, just this week, we're kind of waiting to see what's going to happen. Um, but Peter Blaming, he's represented by a wonderful Christian organization called Alliance Defending Freedom. They do great work. Um, and after a lower court in Virginia dismissed Peter Blaming's case without any explanation why, Um, Now they are asking the Virginia Supreme Court to take up this case and hear the case. And uh, Alliance Defending Freedom attorney Chris Sandoval says, you know, he's really optimistic that this case will be taken up by the Virginia Supreme Court. And not only that, but he feels optimistic that they're going to rule in his favor. Because not only does the Virginia state constitution protect the freedom of speech and religion that Peter Lambing shouldn't be forced to say something uh, that he doesn't agree with and violate his personal religious beliefs and convictions, but also, of course, our Constitution. The Constitution of the United States of America uh, protects that freedom of speech and, and religion. So uh, we're, we're waiting to see what the uh, what the Virginia Supreme Court does, but we're all optimistic that. Again, hopefully soon, the courts will rule in Peter Lemming's favor, and he'll be able to work again. Because like you say, he's not been able to find work in the public school.
0: No, not at all. Now, um, morphing a little bit on this one, uh, because uh, I'm going to have on next week a guest uh, who's going to be talking about uh, a mother that found out that the school, um, of Bernadette Broyles, is on uh, She was representing uh, a mother who didn't know that the school was brainwashing her child, telling her first she's a lesbian, no, you're now transgender. And the girl tried to commit suicide twice in school. And that's only when the parents Mm -hmm. found out about this. So there's a lot going on in the schools. But years ago, I debated my state senator about the Equality Act. And we've managed to basically kill that. But they've morphed the Equality Act into the Equity Act. And they're trying to push this through. But Canada just had the very same thing enacted as a law. So now the very thing of you maybe talking to your priest about questioning uh, your gender assignment or how you Mm -hmm. feel sexually towards someone else, that very act could land that priest in jail for five years. Explain what this is. And the gentleman... Uh, Jojo Ruba, am I saying his last name right? Correct. And how you, how you did a, such a wonderful in-depth interview with this man when he broke it down? I was going, well, I normally don't curse on this show, so you know what I'm thinking. Holy <laughs> defecation! Yep. What take they do with that? Holy
2: defecation! <laughs> oh, that's right. This law in Canada is is disturbing. So, Canada has has just passed a law. It took effect on January seventh. That bans conversion therapy, something that's commonly known as conversion therapy. And what conversion therapy is, it's broadly defined as any treatment, practice, or service that's designed to change a person's gender identity, their gender expression, or sexual orientation. Um, so in other words, if, if someone is struggling with same-sex attraction um, and they don't want to be, you know, they might go to counseling in, in order to work through those feelings and, um, and try and kind of find resolution. So Canada has now passed a law saying you're, you're not allowed to do that. Whether you're a pastor, whether you're a parent, a, a counselor, a therapist, you cannot encourage anyone who is struggling uh, with with transgenderism with same-sex attraction, you cannot um, essentially help them to, to overcome those things. Um, And so I I spoke with a wonderful man named Jojo Rubo, who's a Canadian on the Daily Signal podcast on February 11th. And uh, Jojo is the communications director for Free to Care in Canada. He's also a Christian apologist. And this issue is really personal to Jojo because he himself has struggled with same-sex attraction and went years ago and spoke with a counselor about it and said he found a lot of hope in doing that and freedom in doing that and right now, this law in Canada, uh, if, if an individual, let's say a 25-year-old guy, went to his pastor in Canada and said, you know, I, I'm feeling uh, these feelings of attraction towards another man in the church, and I, I don't want to meet. Will, will you talk with me? Will you pray with me? Will you help me overcome this? If that pastor said yes, if that pastor did anything except affirm his same-sex attraction, that pastor could go to jail. Uh, And this is obviously so, so troubling and so disturbing uh, because, again, it goes back to that that freedom of speech, that freedom of religion uh, that is so clearly and directly being violated by laws like this to say that even even an individual, a person who is of age, that they can't seek this help out, Um, this is incredibly troubling. And it's so troubling because what we often see is, you know laws in Canada. It's just a matter of time—15, you know, 10, 15 years—until we start to see similar laws implemented in America. And you know, you referenced the Equality Act, and we we've seen in America already uh, this kind of legislation being pushed forward and being promoted. Uh, and it's it's done so with um, with such a guide. You know, people say. It, it's compassionate. And, well, you know, since when it is lying to someone and telling them that a boy can be a girl or a girl can be a boy, that's, that's not compassion. Truth is compassion. And, of course, we want to journey with people. We, we, we want to be loving towards anyone who, who is struggling um, with, with gender dysphoria, with transgenderism. It, it's, uh, it's our job to, to be compassionate, to be loving towards them. But lying to them, that's not love and that's not compassion.
0: Yeah, there's, I've had so many conversations with people, you know, with the transgender community. And there was one gentleman um, that wrote some marvelous books. And now he does counseling for those because he lived eight years as a woman. And when he realized mm. that that's not right for him and he converted back, when he did the studies, there is such a high rate of alcoholism, uh, drug abuse. Sexual abuse, um, suicide, and a large majority have the sex change regret. That was the name of his book, "Sex Change Regret." It took me a few seconds to remember. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. what happens when you have someone with the sex change regret? If you're in Canada, no one's going to be there to help you. So what do you revert okay. to? Alcoholism, drug abuse, uh, criminal activity, suicide, self mutilation. You know th- mm-hmm. this. Segment of society is being harmed the hardest by mm-hmm. this law. So yeah,
2: oh, you're absolutely right. You
0: know, and then you, you talk about being faith-based and taking people and loving them for who they are and helping them through. And what JoJo uh, was was talking to you about is how he found it more important to follow in the steps and love of Christ than to give into mm-hmm. what he emotionally feels, and this is exactly what the scriptures teach us. So the very fact the Bible teaches this would make the Bible illegal.
2: Mm.
0: Well, and I think,
2: you know, I think you make such a good point that, um, you know, at at the end of the day, the individuals who are harmed most by laws, like, like the law we've seen implemented in Canada, are people who are themselves Struggling with transgenderism, um, struggling with same-sex attraction, struggling with gender dysphoria. We uh, recently produced a documentary here at the Daily Signal on a gentleman named Ryan Anderson. And Ryan Anderson is the author of a book, When Harry Became Sally. And he's really an expert on gender dysphoria. His book goes into detail on on the science and the philosophy and and the background of gender dysphoria, how it could have originated. And... um, I, I sat down with him, and, you know, something he told me said, you know, if, if for anyone experiencing gender dysphoria, that, that's not something you would want to – that's not something we would wish on anyone, to feel discomfort in your own skin, to feel that separation from your own body. But he compares it in his book uh, to, to anorexia, that, you know, a, a young girl struggling with anorexia, you, you're not going to – subscribe her liposuction the problem is not with her body the problem is you know with with her emotions and with other things that are going on on around her and you have to you have to care for her for her mind for her soul for her heart uh, in the midst of that and it's the same thing with someone struggling with gender dysphoria you know we we can't just pass laws that you know allow young people to go ahead and and take puberty blockers and go ahead and, and have surgeries that literally mutilate their bodies, that's not what love looks like. What love looks like is coming in uh, and, and supporting them and, and counseling through through what they're feeling and finding what, what is the root cause for why they're experiencing this and why they're feeling like this uh, and affirming that their body is good and that you know, God created them as, as a man. God created them as a woman. And that's a wonderful, beautiful thing and something to be celebrated and certainly um, not something to be torn apart and mutilated. So this, this is really a, a concerning issue and a concerning trend. And I would just say to parents, you know, make sure you're, you're aware of what what your kids are learning in school. Uh, be aware of, of what your school's policies are. And you mentioned earlier that, um, you know, there's a situation where parents didn't realize that their child was identifying uh, as as another gender at school. And we see that there are schools that have made it their practice to say, okay, if, if a child wants to identify as, as uh, a different gender at school, we will affirm that and not tell the parents. You need to find out if, if that is the practice of your child's school. You need to be aware um, and know what's happening in the classroom and um, it's so important as, as adults we hold the line, we protect our kids and we need to make sure we're aware of what they're being exposed
0: to. Well, I'm, I'm urging everyone to go to the Heritage Foundation. Um, just key in the search bar, your name, and the article will come up under February 11th. New Canadian law could send parents to jail for not affirming gender identity. Very, very excellent interview. And you talk about letting parents know what's going on in the school. So I bring you over to your February, February 10th article about uh, students in this seventh grade class uh, being told to read mm-hmm. a certain book. And um, when the parents found out about it, it was like, wait a minute, this glamorizes illegal immigration. Uh, And, Mm -hmm. well, this is to help you learn composition and character development and everything else, blah, 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 blah. But the book is propaganda. Mm -hmm. How nice it is Mm -hmm. to have open borders and welcome these illegal aliens in because, you know, they need help. Wait a minute. We still have a legal immigration system. So, again, another form of brainwashing. But when the parent tried to find out, were other parents aware of this book? Were they given the option to have a different book assigned? And he was stonewalled and he was hit with a brick wall at every corner. This is the problem. They're not allowing the parents to find out what's going on in the classroom. That's right. There's such an issue
2: with transparency. We need transparency in education. Parents deserve to know what their children are being taught. They have a legal right to know what their children are being taught. So this father that you mentioned, Michael Erickson, he's a dad to a seventh-grade daughter in Fairfax County, Virginia, and in her seventh-grade English class. Fairfax County, by the way, is just about um, 20 20 miles or so right outside of Washington, D.C., as a suburb of of Washington D C, um, but his daughter, Michael Erickson's daughter, was assigned a book in her seventh grade English class called Crossing the Wire by Will Hobbs, and the book tells the story of a fifteen year old boy who comes to America illegally from Mexico in order to find work to support his family back in Mexico. Um, and the father's concern was this is a book that is going to elicit sympathy for illegal immigration and is going to lead students to believe that we should have open borders because that is not appropriate. Obviously we know there are um, you know, so many, so, so many issues as we're seeing right now at our Southern border. When you have, um, when you have open borders, what happens? Crime goes up, the economy suffers, and not only is it harmful for people in America, but it's also harmful uh, for those that are trying to come to America legally, that want to do it the right way. Well, gosh, they're not gonna be motivated to do it legally and to do the legal process when they see literally thousands of people flooding across the border illegally. Um, so, So this father said, you know, he started speaking out, he contacted his daughter's teacher and said, I'm not comfortable with this assignment, ends up talking with the principal, finally files uh, a formal request with Fairfax County Public Schools and says, you know, please look at this book and, you know, consider reassigning a, a, a different book. And the, the one encouraging thing that I really find in this story is that Michael Erickson, he chose to speak out, and right now the class has been moved to a different assignment. There's, they push pause on reading this book while it's reviewed by Fairfax County Public Schools and they're doing a writing assignment. And, you know, I I think it goes to show, like, okay, while we still don't know the final resolution to this story, when parents raise their voices, when they speak up, when they push back, when they're willing to tell their story to the media, that creates momentum. And eventually eventually the schools have to listen. um, And change happens and, and things shift. So, you know, if if you're a parent and your school's stonewalling you on the curriculum that your kids are being taught, I mean, be persistent. And then you can also file something called a FOIA. FOIA stands for Freedom of Information Act. And you can specifically request to know the information then to know the curriculum that your kids are being taught. That is your legal right to know.
0: No, they should also check out what their state and local laws are dealing with when the school districts will open up and allow the parents to go and physically sit down and review the books. You know, we work Mm. with our school board all the time. And also, know your school board. See, in California, Mm -hmm. it was a couple of liberals that got a program out there that got three people pushing critical race theory kicked out of the school board, recalled so it, it, it doesn't matter if you're conservative or liberal. If you're a concerned parent and you're concerned about the wealth of your child, do something about it. It's not that's a political right, issue. Right. It is a parent issue. It is a people issue. So we don't care what side of the political aisle you sit on. I mean, we confronted our school board here multiple times. And we've had people from both sides of the aisle. And this was dealing with the mask mandates. And you had some people saying four, but the vast majority on both sides were saying, stop it. And we got mm-hmm. it pushed mm-hmm. through. So just be willing to work if they're on the same side of the issue as you are. And that's important. And that's very, very important. I mean, it is important. It, but not only that, see, I don't have kids, but I still confront my school board and think about this people. Mm-hmm. When you pay your taxes, whether you're paying it in the grocery store or registering your vehicle or buying your home or paying your yearly taxes, a portion of that money goes to the school district. So, yes, you have really, you're in the game because your money is paying for these policies. Do you want your dollars mm-hmm. being spent that way? No, you may not have kids mm-hmm. in the system, but when those kids graduate that school district, They're going to be in your neighborhood working in your stores or hanging out in the corner mugging your kids. So how that quality student comes out, what they're taught, how they're taught, and how they behave when they return to society, are they productive or are they destructive? You have skin in the game financially and and in your own community. So that's, again, that's my the rant of the day. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, that, that's so right. And, of course, these are our future leaders. These are, are the future leaders of, of our communities, of our states, of our country. And we should all be concerned, whether we have kids or not, we should all be concerned about what they're learning, what they're being taught. Um, and, you know, for, for parents who so many parents are becoming really disillusioned with the public schools right now. They're pulling their kids out. But, of course, we know that's not an option for every family. And so that's why you know we, we talk a lot here at the Heritage Foundation about the need for something called school choice, which will let those tax dollars that you were talking about follow a child wherever they go, whether they choose to go to a private school or whether their parent says, you know what, I wanna homeschool them and I can use that money to buy curriculum. Um, and that, that's just so critical. It makes so much sense. Let's give parents the power over their kids education to make sure that each child every child in America no matter uh you know how much money their parents make have have choices and can get the education that's best for them that's so important and uh we have seen you know even just in 2021 we saw 18 states across America expand their school choice programs we're hoping to see even more this year because kids our kids come first and we need to make sure that we are preparing them as best we can on
0: every front
2: and whether that's in the public schools or in private schools or homeschool
0: well i gotta tell you we're very close here in south carolina passing the education scholarship accounts and what it does is the dollar follows the child wherever the parent decides to educate the child whether it's homeschooling or it's a charter school or if it's a private school it doesn't automatically go to the public school. It goes to the child, and then the parent decides. So we're close to, to passing this, and once it passed, Governor McMaster will be signing it. So you know, like you said, we have to do this state by state. It is such a pleasure having you with with us. you got to tell Tom you want to come back, okay? And people can <laughs> I find willing. you.
2: Thank you. This has been fun.
0: People. People can find you at the Heritage Foundation, heritage.org, and click over to the Daily Signal and get your two podcasts. God bless you, Virginia, for the hard work you do. And thanks, Tom. God
2: bless you. Thank you so much. DailySignal.com. Thanks so much. Have a great day. Uh, Okay.
0: Virginia Allen, check her out, DailySignal.com. Now, that's our show for today. we are lighting up for uh, next week uh, And Lord knows who I got here Coming up next week um, What did I say? And there goes my papers flying across the desk Alright, uh, we should have uh, Jeremy Murphy, who was supposed to be on today Coming on next week And Bernadette Broyles uh, She's got child and parents rights And she's going to talk about that As well as human trafficking And that's it, and Curtis will be back next week I want to thank everyone that joined us Also over at Facebook and YouTube. I wasn't able to answer all your posts, but I will try to get to them a little bit later. Again, thank you, and we will see you here next week. Same that time, same that station. So I leave you with my friend, Gary Peccarella. Save America. Until then, I say good night and God bless.